Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This episode of the Cult Popshire podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post credit scene at the end of each episode, or join us for our monthly movie club Zoom call where we discuss a film together, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopshire. Hello, everybody. What's hello in Egyptian? Should have looked that up before we started it's, recording. It's uh, a man doing this. Uh, is that racist? I guess no one can see what you're doing. <laughs> it feels like it, it borders, it's borderline, but maybe, what, no, no, maybe that is no, the, if, if the we're talking about an ancient, an ancient Egyptian, mm. like, <laughs> what are they going to do? Get offended? <laughs> They've been dead <laughs> no, for thousands of years. <laughs> Uh, uh, well, anyway, <laughs> starting the episode with some with with something an that, accusal that, that, of that begs the question: <laughs> Is that racist? And we didn't reach a definitive answer. <laughs> well, okay. We're all learning. Is he did he did the like walk like an Egyptian pose? What it's, it's, it's a hi- it's, it is a hieroglyphic. It is a hieroglyph. Is making jokes about hieroglyphics. <laughs> yes yes <laughs> racist <laughs> hmm, this this article from breitbart says no <laughs> <laughs> oh boy i really need to take a good hard look at myself mm. all right well anyway all right well anyway i couldn't have said it better myself welcome along everybody to film franchise Fortnites on the cold popshire podcast this is usually a podcast where myself aj and my co-host richard over there uh every fortnight i noticed you didn't say co-host slash friend well maybe you're not anymore (laughs) maybe we'll find out uh we usually watch a different film franchise every fortnight but for the past uh three weeks we've been watching one split up film franchise and that film franchise is the mummy now Now i know what you're thinking this is not the Boris Karloff episode. <laughs> this is not the uh, Christopher Lee episode. This is this is it. This is what people have been waiting for. The the when you say the mummy, you're probably thinking thinking about one of the films we're talking about today. Um, we of course split Tomb it up. Tim of the Dragon Emperor. Tim of the Dragon Emperor. When, pe- when uh, I think course- mummy, I think Jet Li. <laughs> <laughs> We, of course, split these up because there are so many and we wanted to to tackle them by error. This was, of course, voted on by our patrons a month Mm. and a half ago. Speaking of errors, they voted for Mm. this. (laughs) And so we have watched a plethora of uh, middling to probably pretty good when it came out mummy movies over the last three weeks. And now we're up to the franchise, which contains one film uh, that people 
wanted us to talk about <laughs> so i hope it's worth it this is this is the thing though it's like this is what people wanted they they were like we want you to cover this this one film so much that we will sit through two dry weeks of you talking about films we probably haven't seen mm. that we probably don't care about because we want you to talk about this and then also a further fourth week of again we're films covering, that they don't really yeah. care about but um yeah yeah that's it, what you get patrons <laughs> yeah like the, the thing that worries me about the about the the current undertaking um rather than how detrimental it is to my mental health that mm. um because i don't care about my mental health um <laughs> is that like if you, i've seen bo burnham's inside i'm fine <laughs> <laughs> um is that like if you are a casual listener of the of the cop pops podcast maybe you got onto us because of the barbie episode and then after barbie did we did with the the get series and oh you, you liked forgetting sarah marshall when it came out and then you know after that we did whatever and you weren't so into it but then oh the next one was george of the jungle or whatever um mm. that if you don't care about the mummy mm. to have a podcast you're like you know so barely interested in already <laughs> do four weeks of a franchise you don't care about the, the, mm. I, you like we've lost them as fans i right. and, and that's what that's what really worries me about the mummy um is that yeah like we're now a mummy podcast mm. well i mean i like to think that i've been uh, creating entertaining episode plans. I like to think that you've been entertaining as well and that we've created podcasts where even if you don't know the mm. films, you like our dynamic. Surely yeah. if you listen to 18 hours of us talking about Barbie, you can listen mm. to probably under four hours of us talking <laughs> about yeah. The Mummy. Or yeah, like... we like to think of this as like a podcast for everyone. Oh, do you want to do a plug? No. A plug, a plug for what? <laughs> A p- plug for your other podcast, you bitch. You bitch. <laughs> you cheating on me with another podcast. A podcast for everyone is, is, a, is a podcast that Richard has now joined uh, co- as co-host. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he already it already existed before him and will exist long after. <laughs> um, but go check out a podcast for everyone if you want more of Richard and less of me. <laughs> um yeah but uh, podcast for everyone i'm talking about um uh subjects i'm much happier talking about than the mummy mm, you needed a podcast for everyone i did i did in your life. yeah yeah but yeah. so go check that out so we are going to be talking of course today richard about the brendan fraser slash rates rachel vice led trilogy the mummy uh, which includes The Mummy 1999, The Mummy Returns in 2001, and The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor in 2008. 2008. Also, <laughs> 2008. We're also going to be talking about the Tom Cruise Mummy movie from 2017. This is what's often referred to, or these are what's often referred to as the Stephen Sommers trilogy and the Dark Universe film, respectively. Uh, I'm maybe thinking of calling this episode The Mummy Modern Movies. Mm. Uh, the mummy movies that actually came out in your lifetime the mummy movies you've heard of (laughs) you know there's a whole bunch of different titles i I like the mummy movies you've heard of (laughs) but it doesn't it doesn't fit the template and my 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 producer is fighting against the comedian inside me to to title it the way all the others are titled all right right now at this moment we stand in an interesting place we are here on the edge 
of a very contentious episode, Richard. We're on the precipice of a podcast which will probably be full of personal attacks, uh, ad hominem fallacies, uh, <laughs> false equivalencies, and just good old-fashioned friendship-ruining anger, you know? Uh, because I don't remember the last time we had an episode of Film Franchise Fortnights containing a film we disagree on more. And I certainly don't remember the last time it was a film that I loved yeah. that you didn't love. Yeah, That feels less common than the other way. Yeah, because you've seen The Mummy, you've famously seen 1999's The Mummy, 10,000 mm. times more yep <laughs> uh, and i and hate it and you love it <laughs> <laughs> um and i've seen it uh, before this podcast i've seen it once and that was mm. very much in my adult life yes so um i but i'm sure we'll get to that more yeah i've been for trying to figure out how to navigate this episode all week because richard as you know i hate conflict and i love agreeing with people <laughs> and so all i can really say is before we get into it my friend my co-host i love you <laughs> and i apologize in advance if something i say hurts your feelings in the name of content in the name of content richard we have to we have to dive in and then as soon as we stop recording dive back out and be like hey you okay man i love you <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how else to, to manage this emotionally so listeners sit back and enjoy a podcast of epic proportions where i alexander jones have the unenviable almost impossible task of all in this episode where i have to convince not only richard martin that he is that his opinion is wrong but that he's wrong at all an impossible task will he narrowly escape it this time or will hell freeze over will the planets align will the moon move across the sun spreading darkness across the land of egypt let's find out Yeah, thank you. To Mr. Burns. Um. I'm looking forward to every joke I make being like, I don't get that. (laughs) So, the first film, and for the majority of this episode, the film we're going to be talking about (laughs) is called The Mummy. This came out in 1999. It was directed by Stephen Sommers. Uh, Do you know what this has on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, It's like 61 it is 61. Yeah. Correct. Which I, like, I know, that, that, that wasn't me. Like, I, I know I knew it was 60 or 61. Yeah. Because I remember thinking, like, oh, it's just barely fresh. <laughs> and I know that immediately puts a, a, um, a mine, a, a landmine in the middle of my, my court. <laughs> yeah, right? Mm. But I'm going, to, I'm going to address it, but we have to get the admin out of the way first. So I will address the Ron Tomato score. Uh, do you want to tell us what this film is about? Uh, so it's a remake of The Mummy. It's about Oh, a... come on. <laughs> uh, talk about the wrong side of the river bit. Um, <laughs> so it's, uh, you'll be flashback to uh, ancient Egypt. Um, and yeah, Emotep ha- um, gets a little bit too gay with the... Um, <laughs> what's the, what's <laughs> the Vestal the line? Virgins. Yeah. The, the line in the, in the original Mummy movie is... He got a bit too gay with the Vestal Virgins in the Pharaoh, Pharaoh's Temple. And this, he's got, he got a bit too frisky with the Pharaoh's daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, yeah, the, the classic, he, he's in love with uh, Forbidden Love and he's mm-hmm. buried alive. And, Tongue cut out, eyes cut out. And, but in this case, he also gets uh, a bunch of scarab beetles um, mm. thrown in with him. 
which is a ritual for a curse called the hum die or the hum die which for some reason means that when he comes back he's very powerful which seems like a bad curse for someone Mm. that you you hate what could the 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 curse is supposed to be that he's um cursed to be immortal and there's there's these Mm. flesh-eating scarabs he's buried with and that he's cursed to you know for all eternity um, yeah. But then they were like, yeah, I guess they already had a spell for immortality, but it also mm. made you really powerful. And they're like, yeah. well, we're not writing yeah. another one. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's like a dev- a devastating oversight in, co- in a code for a computer game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like, where you made something for one function, but you didn't consider a way it could be exploited. And now he's got no fall damage. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so then um, we jump ahead to what I'm ashamed to say I didn't realize wasn't present day um wow yeah for some reason i just <laughs> i just assumed these movies took place in present day it wasn't until the third one when it like explicitly says the date and i was like yeah it, no i Richard, i guess i haven't seen a computer <laughs> it explicitly says the date in all three i have seen the first two 10 billion times <laughs> i know it says the date in both but i say like it wasn't until the third one when they say the date i must have just oh out it. loud out loud you mean it says sure. it on the on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Like the date appears on the screen. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, we we now um, uh, catch up with our heroes, Rick O'Connell played by Brina Fraser and Evelyn uh, played by Rachel Weiss. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's a few other like side characters, which will kind of just like, I guess. So you've also got um, <laughs> uh, Jonathan yep. Carnahan. His brother uh yeah and um benny who's like mm. his kind of like little shithead sidekick uh, brita fraser's little shithead sidekick who like inexplicably goes on all these missions with him but it's just a little fucking weasel <laughs> mm, yeah but anyway uh rick o'connell ends up getting himself hanged um you know mm-hmm. you put up for put up for a, a hanging um but then uh, evelyn makes a deal to stop his hanging because he can find the lost tomb hamanaptra the city of the dead yeah uh and then yeah it's it's a it's an adventure movie in the same vein as like indiana jones to get there and um yeah they find this the city whatever uh and then the mummy is awakened by reading the book of the dead out loud um and then he brings the mummy um not played by billy zane uh might i add no um, which you didn't care about, but this was like so, yeah. a mind-blowing yeah. revelation for me. I've seen the movie before, and I like I was watching the movie, and I still thought it was Billy this Zane. This is so funny. This is so funny. You you messaged me while I was the drunkest I've ever been at my birthday party last week, and you said, The Mummy's not played by Billy Zane, and I very, very, too violently responded to this, with like, of course he's not fucking played by Billy Zane, and you messaged me the next day, and I was like, hey man, that was the alcohol talking. I, I see the resemblance. No, yeah, 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 because no, yeah, you were like, I don't even fucking see the re- I sent you a photo, <laughs> like photos of, of Arnold Vosloo, and yeah. Billy Zane, I was like, these. I actually can't tell which one is supposed to be which on the in this photo. And you were like, get fucked, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> and then the next morning, you're like, I'm oh, the drunkest I've ever been. And I was like, uh, and I was like, yeah, man, you were so drunk, you thought Arnold Vosloo didn't look like Billy Zane. You were like, yeah, man, that was the alcohol. <laughs> um, so that was very fun. But yeah, not like legit. I. Uh, because I think when I watched it the first time last year, I'll get to the rest of the plot in a second. Um, okay. 
uh, when I watched it for the first time last year, I remember thinking like I was halfway through the movie and realizing like in my life, I've never actually seen what the mummy in this movie looks like. Um, a similar thing that realizing like I don't know what the aliens in Super 8 look like not at all on the same yeah. level but like yeah the, these two things it's like I, it's weird that that's I've just never seen a picture of that and especially like something like the mummy where it's like mm. um, but then realizing when he appears I was like oh it's just because he's Billy Zane for most of the film um, <laughs> and then yeah I watched the film and then the, the, for the last 18 months or whatever it's been I've uh yeah just just gone around and being like yeah this is billy zane and i've You've been telling everyone <laughs> um yeah i watched the mummy last you know night billy zane was billy really good <laughs> um and then yeah that my whole world came crashing down on saturday night uh so, oh, i'm sorry i wasn't more sympathetic to that <laughs> to my plight um like like the amount of times you've messaged me something and said like Hey, I have to get this off my chest. Please don't make fun of me for it. I should have done that. <laughs> AJ, my I'm having an existential crisis. Please don't make fun of me. But <laughs> did you know that Billy Zane is not MOTM? <laughs> and you'll be like, yeah, Billy Zane's course. not even like Billy's isn't Billy Zane a white dude? He's not even like remotely Egyptian. They look identical. Don't look it up. Like <laughs> just just continue with the plot. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, oh, now, now I'm on Stephen Summers' Wikipedia page. Oh um, my god! All right, yeah. So, so the, the kind of the big thing is that the the ten plagues come back to Egypt, and the ten mm-hmm. plagues are, of course, uh, uh, they water don't go into blood, all of them. Frogs, lice, wild animals, pestilence, boils, thunderstorm, locust, darkness, and the death of the firstborn. The death of the firstborn doesn't actually happen in the film, though. They skip that one. Yeah, yeah. It's set in an alternate universe where there are only nine plays. <laughs> um, yeah. Or they, they just miscount because they, they say ten a bunch of times. Also, fireballs raining from the sky is a a um, very liberal interpretation of thunderstorms. So. And they take some creative licenses. It's fine. Continue. <laughs> yeah, he, he like gets he does the whole like fall in love with the... the yeah. Rachel Vice and um Yeah. We've yeah. all done it. <laughs> <laughs> and then how does how does Imhotep, how's Imhotep defeated? Uh they fight they work out that the book that brought him back to life was actually the book of the dead. No, the book of Amun Ra and not the Book of the Dead. And so they find out where the other book is. They go back to Harmanaptra uh, to save the girl, save the day, and uh, they they kill the resurrected version of Anxunamun, who is totally called Anxunamun in this, yeah, right? Harder, like, yeah. that's totally how they say her name. Yeah. Uh, and and then uh, Imhotep is made mortal, and Brendan Fraser, Rick O'Connell, stabs him, and his soul is sent back to hell, and they ride off literally into the sunset together, having found the greatest treasure of all, love. The mummy, oh, yeah yeah <laughs> sweet all right so just to fully expand expound expound and expand mean the same thing and I've, i'm never brave enough to use expound in case i've just misheard someone say expand my whole expound life expound means to, to present or explain and explain a theory or idea in detail which you could just say expand for that as well expound is sometimes confused with expand 
So just to get my position out up front, I very much grew up with this movie. I think mm. I've probably seen it more than I've seen any movie. I'm not even kidding. Like, it's not a million times, but it's a lot more than I've seen any other movie. Uh, my parents first showed it to me and my brother when I was six, uh, and I remember thinking it was the scariest thing I'd ever seen. Mm, I thought I was, that on Saturday. <laughs> riddled with, with with nightmares for for a long time after seeing this uh, but we eventually got it on vhs as i said last week my brother was a big egypt kid so like this was like his um you know his 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 favorite sort of thing and we got on vhs and my brother would basically watch it once every week <laughs> my brother would basically <laughs> like, watch it once <laughs> but yeah so and i had to reckon- catch most of it when he did this was playing maybe like once or twice every fortnight uh, for what felt like years, but was <laughs> I was seven or eight years old, so I was probably like six months. Mm. Um, I estimate I would have seen this film dozens of times between the ages of six and 12, though. Uh, and it very much shaped my love of movies, storytelling, heroism. Um, all of this being said, watching this film for the podcast was the first time I'd rewatched it in around a decade, I think. Wow. Um, but to quote Michael Swain when he talked to us about Meet the Parents a few months back, The Mummy, 1999, is a perfect film richard what do you think of it <laughs> but, so to elaborate expound on mm. uh, what i said before somehow i had just never seen this movie like mm. it's not something i'd actively avoided i don't i didn't have anything against it i just yeah like like it, it, it's just this, it was this gap in my pop culture knowledge for so long mm-hmm. and then like I'd obviously heard people singing its praises and whatnot, especially you know you, <laughs> um, <laughs> and so roughly sixty one percent of movie critics uh, I met yeah. as well. And, and it's like, <laughs> and, and for people of a certain generation, i.e., ours, that like this is, you know, like like a lot of people have the same experience you did. I don't know how I never saw this at a sleepover or at a birthday party or anything mm. around that time and yeah i reiterate i i've i've never avoided it until we started the podcast and i just generally would avoid franchise films um (laughs) but then yeah last year i believe it was during lockdown i can probably tell you the actual date um on on my letterbox but um yeah i thought you know what i'm actually going to put the mummy on and 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 give it a a fighting chance and Hmm. i watched it and i was like okay I, I can see what the fuss is and I, and I can see that um, if you had watched this at a certain time in your life, um, I can see because it's one of those things it's like it's yeah it's it's scary it is it is genuinely quite scary in parts, especially for like people of the kind of age it's aimed at I've talked before about like how they don't really make kids movies that are genuinely scary anymore. It's not really a kids movie, but it's no. it's preteen teen movie. And so I would, uh, yeah, I, I got it, okay. But mm-hmm. I think that the, I, you know, I thought the the sixty one percent is kind of a warranted score. I gave it three out of five, which is essentially sixty one percent, because fuck you, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, sorry, I, sorry. Uh, sorry, I don't know what came over me. <laughs> but I think that uh, maybe nostalgia does some of the heavy lifting for people. 
I I don't get it, man. I last you, week. Oh, you, you don't. Gave, you love this movie. You don't even get it. I, no, I don't get you. I don't get you, Richard Martin. You're it's romantic. You're a complex. <laughs> well, I just can't seem to quit you or understand you. Uh, but last week you you rated Fast and Furious Nine five stars on Letterboxd, mm. and you begrudgingly gave this three stars. And for years now, I've watched you. And like, and you've sort of admitted to this as well, like of of your own, you know, you you've said like you kind of have a slightly more generous system for rating movies than others, and so I've talked to you so many times about how it's a shame adventure movies this kind that are kind of like this don't really exist anymore, and how they don't make movies like this anymore. And not only is this, I think, the best example of a film which is five stars because of how fun it is, but it's also the quintessential adventure movie that doesn't get made anymore film. I'd be willing to bet that when people talk about that long forgotten genre that this is the movie they're thinking of this is a perfect film this is a perfect five-star adventure movie that they don't make anymore like you 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 seem to have such a reverence for that genre and this is the best example of that genre and you're like ah oh, it's all right and i like i also want to acknowledge how at the start i was like we have never disagreed on a movie before this much before and you're like yeah it's pretty good <laughs> like that's, i also that's how much we're disagreeing okay. <laughs> if you'll allow me to continue, if you're quite finished. Um, well, so that was my experience relatively. when I worked, watched it on the 3rd of June, 2019. Now, if you'll <laughs> allow me to to, come, to update my thoughts. That wasn't during lockdown. That was a year yeah, before. No, well, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I watched this last Saturday, I thought, you know what? This is a perfect film. <laughs> no, <Nah>, it's <laughs> What? <laughs> uh, yeah, I love this. Uh, <laughs> like, what's what's better for you? What would you prefer if I came in and was like, yeah, man, this is a perfect film. And then you have to throw out all your notes, all the, all the, na- all the names yep. you, you're you ready to call yep. me. Yeah. Or if I'm <laughs> love like. Love to have done that. Yeah. It's, and um, I, I take a sh- I think Pirates of the Caribbean is better than The Mummy. Um, and I think that's the example of like that. Like to me, that's that's the example I'm picturing in my head when I say mm. those kind of movies they don't make anymore because they've just been replaced with the superhero movie. The Mummy is it's hard. It is hard. So <laughs> like it's like it's like you're strangling me or you're suffocating me with a pillow and you're like shh, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> like I, I it, this is one of those things where. I'm probably going to agree with like 90% of what you say. I, I could easily give this four stars. I think it's funnier to give it three, um, <laughs> which is why I did it. I knew it was personal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I will say, and I wrote this in my review, um, that, okay, the, I'll sing the movie's praises first off. Brendan okay. Fraser at his peak is like everything you could ever want in a hero not not just like mm. an action hero but like a leading man it's like yeah, yeah. The, the 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 charisma that brendan fraser br- brings to the screen in like the 90s very early 2000s like is on the same level as michael j fox's marty mcfly who's the yeah. greatest film protagonist of all time um agreed that won't be the first comparison to Back to the Future that gets made <laughs> on this podcast. Um, and I will say that, like, for the most part, this film is incredibly paced. Like, mm. a, like it, it, it flew by. I, it does lose me, like, when 
Billy Zane is like not Billy Zane is returned to like f- his full human form because a lot of the movie is him kind of hell raising himself back mm. to um human form. Not the last time we'll hear Hellraiser brought up on this podcast. <laughs> 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 um but that that like th- then that the film kind of like to me uh, that's when I kind of lose the pacing a little bit um, and the film starts to drag and then rush and, and whatnot. It's, it is genuinely scary. The opening scene, like being buried alive should be the scariest thing I've ever seen on, on screen. And in this movie mm. it is. And mm. the, the addition of the scarabs terrifying, like that, that's horrific. Yeah. And when they un- uncover the, the, when they open up the sarcophagus and he's been clawing from the inside, that is a genuinely mm. terrifying image and it's mm. and it's weird and we'll get to this later on but it's weird that it's not that scary in the 2017 one mm. yeah i guess my like i can't even necessarily articulate other than the third act kind of losing me a little bit i can't really articulate why i don't love it as much as you do um and i think that i i, I know you're going to be unwilling to meet me on this but it is that like this is a a pretty good, maybe even pretty great film that was so formative to you. So you've mm. got this like intensely personal connection to it. If you remove that personal connection, you're just left with a good film, you know? Richard, I'm not like other girls. I, I, I'm not <laughs> blinded by nostalgia in that same way. I Genuinely, I, th- I think I am able to separate those things. Even if I still claim to like a bad movie that I mm. that I enjoyed when i was younger i could still acknowledge that it's bad uh great examples of this space jam love space jam when i was a kid now i think that movie fucking sucks the cat in the hat a famously bad movie i went to the cinemas by myself to see that movie when i was like 11 because i was so excited for it um if you listen to our patreon very recently big trouble is a great example of a film but no, but, like, okay but the th- but see the thing here is you've just listed three bad movies like three objectively bad movies mm. Um, I'm talking about like this is a good movie that you are conflating to be the most important piece of cinema that's ever lived because it, it was to you, you know. <laughs> like I'm I'm not disagree I'm not disagreeing with you on the quality of the film necessarily, but you are taking it over the finish line mm. where it kind of stumbles short for me. And I and I'm not saying this is a bad movie. I'm not at all. I think it's on par with the 2017 film. Well, that's <laughs> fucked. That's such a <laughs> fucked up thing to say. Why would you say that? That's such a strange thing to say after talking about what you like about this one to then be like, it's on par with this like really bad version it's of it. It's universally bad. No, it's not. It's better than that. Um, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, like... I, I, I'm I'm going to try my hardest to think of a movie that I think is roughly the same quality that 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 would be like oh okay I can understand then how mm. if someone was super attached to it they would think it's better you know because I I this the mummy occupies this like shelf in my brain where it's like these are my favorite movies that I don't tell people are my favorite movies because they're everyone's favorite movies right and it's like yeah. I think of this the same way that I think of Back to the Future or Jurassic Park two films I probably prefer to the mummy uh, and are objectively more impressive in terms of uh, filmmaking mm. um but the amount of fun i have with like the characters and the plot and the romance and the comedy i feel like this film has it all and uh 
even though it's not as much of a filmmaking marvel as something like Jurassic Park, the the like superficial elements of it are operating at such a high level that it creates something with a lot more depth than similar films to this, I guess. Um, And I feel like part of my mission here that I will, of course, fail at because I totally understand that how hard it is to change someone's mind but it's not it's not changing your mind it's changing your like emotional connection which is impossible. yeah yeah you're, you're just trying to give me what like beating you over the head with it. <laughs> like like 20 years of mm. film love yeah yeah i guess ultimately my feelings are sorrowful because i feel i feel like you have missed out on something i guess i I have my own i have my own experiences from my childhood no you don't richard (laughs) 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 like i guess i guess it fails to compute with me that you well it sounds like you've been playing up how much you don't like the movie a little bit considering that you just said you made it a three stars as a joke um but like because <laughs> well, yeah. you you it, really enjoyed three stars you really enjoyed national treasure for example the new jumanji movies national treasure is a perfect example of the same kind of quality lower, of lower tomato score than the mummy i checked <laughs> because uh, uh, i knew uh, it would come up <laughs> well what's watch national treasures 46 it's close enough but like but like that's the same kind of thing that like we both really liked those movies but if you imagine layering in 20 years of nostalgia Mm. for it you're going Mm. to think it's better than that but you're also a big fan of the uncharted games yeah would you say you're a big fan of uncharted (laughs) i feel like you're trying to trap me genuinely not. uncharted 2 is the greatest game ever made i would (laughs) (laughs) like i I would argue that that they, they're doing the, <laughs> the same thing as the mummy like I, I, it's a different medium so maybe that's where the difference is but like yeah. i certainly think uncharted has less interesting characters than the mummy like all all up you've got like sully's kind of a fun character but i feel I like, like nate and elena you, and yeah Chloe. i like them i like them but they're not the same they're not like cartoon characters like they are in the mummy you know the mummy is is, li- is a live action cartoon similar in ways to like back to the future um, and another well, movie that, that qualifies. <laughs> yeah, <Hellraiser. laughs> Um Yeah, I think maybe if the mummy had like a train level, mm. I could then get on. There is a PS One game that I, I'm sure it means a lot to to people who grew up with it. Um, I've written here, Richard, that. I take less issue with the abstract concept of someone not loving this movie and more issue with Richard Martin, famous lover of every movie he's ever seen, not loving (laughs) this movie. That's what I think it is. I think this whole time, that's what it's been, is like just that thing of watching you give five-star rating after five-star rating, and then you get to the dictionary definition of a five-star rating. This is not the dictionary. It's got 61% on Rotten Tomatoes. I can explore. All right, you want to talk Rotten Tomatoes? (laughs) tomatoes <laughs> here's here's what i've written about run tomatoes so, i feel like i'm being so reasonable i yeah we're, we're putting on a show none of this is real the mummy I, i've watched it a thousand times i just <laughs> pretended to for the podcast not to for the podcast so in a rare moment of betrayal from my beloved ron tomatoes because despite the the <laughs> negative rap on twitter that ron tomatoes gets all the time you bring up a ron tomatoes score and like an, an internet debate and people are like you listen to ron tomatoes what? like i the agree with is, ron tomatoes a lot if of it time. disagrees with you they go Pff. Yeah, and if yeah. they go, yeah, no, if it supports their theory, they go, 
no, look, it's got hundred percent yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. So J- Jeremy is a famous <laughs> fucking user of that. Like, if it supports my theory, <laughs> it's it's good. If it doesn't, it's bad. So a, a sixty-one audience score, do, uh, a critic score, sorry, does roughly translate to three stars out of five, right? Uh, mm. But it's mm. I think where have I seen this movie get three stars out of five before? But it's undeniable that there has been a pretty significant critical reevaluation in the last twenty-two years. The The Guardian posted an article this week called uh, "The Mummy: Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz's Adventure Romp Catches Lightning in an Urn," which echoes the same reverence that fans and critics alike have been parroting since this movie and got its initial contemporary reviews i guess um sure. and and upon its 20th anniversary there were there was a whole celebration of like revisionist reviews from like all the big websites that would have given it the reviews in the first place i've got a few here um uh thrillist and den of geek called it a perfect movie rotten tomatoes itself referred to it as the indiana jones for the new generation uh junkie yeah, jones three-star movie <laughs> junkie declared it the pivotal blockbuster of the 90s collider and sci-fi wire praised brendan fraser specifically for setting the mold that other action heroes uh, other action hero characters have followed in the decades since and looper noting that the film had proven to be a truly timeless classic that can be watched over and over again and that it helped change the game for, for many action movies that would come after uh, the film's release. In other words, Richard, the while the barely fresh Ron Tomato score would suggest you have all the horses, I would argue that the palpable critical reevaluation suggests you're also on the wrong side of the river. <laughs> What's that from? That's a quote from the mummy. I am oh. shaking with anticipation. I was so worried I was going to fuck up that delivery, but I. <laughs> well, congratulations. Um, another <laughs> film so with sixty-one percent, which I think is objectively better than the mummy, is a or battle angel. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> That's 61%. I'll give it that. But no, I, if someone grew up with a leader battle angel, I could totally get Thank it. you! That's what I've been fucking saying this whole time! I, I agree that that concept exists. I think The Mummy is objectively a five-star <laughs> film. Uh, guess how many stars Roger Ebert gave this? Uh, it's either going to be four or like half of one. He gave it three stars, but it's out of four stars, so it's still yeah. higher than you. Uh, he wrote that <laughs> this is a great review. There is hardly anything. There is hardly a thing I can say in its he, favor. He wrote this is a great review. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is hardly a thing I can say in its favor, except that I was cheered, but cheered by nearly every minute of it. I cannot argue for the script, the direction, the acting, or even the mummy, but I can say I was not bored, and sometimes I was unreasonably pleased. Does unreasonably pleased not like sing some of the greatest movie moments you've ever seen to you? Like, like Back to the Future is unreasonably pleasing. Fast, the Fast and Furious movies are unreasonably pleasing. F9, fuck yeah. Some of them are, not F9. Um, um, it, it, like, okay, I'm looking at other 61% Ron Tomatoes movies. <laughs> okay. Journey to the Center of the Earth. No, that's, I haven't actually seen it. Maybe it's great. Maybe, <laughs> maybe if I grew up with it. <laughs> yeah, like like the, these are all movies that like you could see someone saying this is the greatest movie ever. It's a it's objectively a five star film. I'm above um, my own nostalgia. Mm. Um, but cramp. no one's saying that. Three hundred about these films though. Um, you, you are. 
No, no, I'm I'm, no, no. Sorry, I'm saying no one's saying <laughs> no one who grew up with with 300 is is like started a mass critical reevaluation of it. Like the mummy is significant in that sense that it seems like whenever yeah. you tell a filmy person that it only has 60%, 61%, they go, "What the fuck?" You know, like it seems that the seems same to as be... K19 the Widowmaker. <laughs> that, that seems to be... <laughs> that seems to be a more ubiquitous experience with specifically the mummy than any other film with a surprisingly low Rotten Tomatoes. Score. Well, anyway, I want to list off some more films that have the same okay. Rotten Tomatoes score. American Pie yeah, that's a sixty-one percent film. Yeah, um, sixty-nine percent film. Um, uh, what else have we got? Um, Happy Gilmore, Mystery Men, Rush Hour. I feel like Rush Hour is on a similar kind of. Mm. I haven't vibe. seen. Rush I haven't Hour seen Rush Hour. Um, but uh, yeah, like that. That's a similar kind of like. A lot of people grew up with that, and will and will defend it. Mm. Do you reckon it's just because you, you and Jeff? I, you and I are in? Um, we're not we don't we're not queer but we're in queer circles i think we have a lot of queer friends and rachel vice and brendan fraser are two incredibly attractive people in this movie i wonder if if, if it's just the circles we're in are, are like all attribute their like sexual awakenings to this movie mm. <laughs> maybe that's why <laughs> i think yeah. about that a lot i see i, I yeah I've, i was only sexually awoken on saturday really what with oh with the mummy <laughs> Yeah. nice uh i've got here things <laughs> i love about the mummy in depth i prepared this assuming this podcast would you be would just be you be going like name something you actually love about it instead of just saying you love it so i've got fuck you richard <laughs> I've, got, I've got a list here of things i love about the mummy would you like to hear them <laughs> this isn't as sure. violent as i was anticipating so now i've just got a list of things i like about this film hmm so going off the Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz thing, I think they have excellent chemistry in this film. I think they ace just a sexually fueled will they won't they. It's it's there from the start where they like where she gets mm, drunk and she's when like, he like when he sexually assaults okay, her. Okay, I knew her. this would happen. Yes, there's some dated stuff in it. There's dated stuff and everything. Um, but when when she's she's <laughs> she's like. She's oh, okay. like, I didn't realize you were so easily write that off. The, yeah. No, there's a great, you know, the um, the when and always sunny in Philadelphia when Charlie tries a pair for the first time. There's a great yeah. adaptation of that of that clip I've seen in a meme that was like, everything's problematic, bitch. We got to teach you how to how to watch media and still enjoy watch problematic media and still enjoy it. Um, anyway, uh, the 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 part where Sounds she's like, like a great meme. Where she's she's drunk and she's like, and I am going to kiss you, Mister O'Connell. And it's like, oh, it's it's such a, oh, it's so steamy. It's such a steamy relationship, and I so buy in every time I watch it. I'm like, you say what you will, but Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz are great as an on screen, um, playing off each other. Um, I love that that Brendan Fraser. His he his like his George of the Jungle skills allow him to expertly like jump back and forth between being a comedy hero and an action hero. Yeah, swing back and forth. Um, Rachel Weisz is a, like a naive but determined heroine. I love how she isn't just relegated to "Oh, come and save me." I'm I'm just a romantic side plot, but she drives the story. She awakens the mummy. Like it's she's technically the inciting incident of the film. Mm. Um, yeah, and, which is like. The, 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 I feel like waking the mummy was a bad thing, though. No, I, but it's cool that that she still has agency in her own story and that she's imperfect and that she's it's very. It's a very Eve thing to do as well. Eve, 
the character. From the Bible. Oh, right. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> sure. Um, and, well, and her name's Evelyn as well. I wonder right. if the, like, Honestly, that might have been intention. <laughs> um, I like how she she fights back. She's in, she's in you know multiple like fist fights in this movie. Um, she uses her her intelligence, her strengths. She's she is technically a, she is technically a damsel in distress at one point in the film, but I feel like she's still the best damsel in distress ever put to film. Um, Jonathan, John Hannah's Jonathan, who plays Evie's brother. Um, he is such a great character, and I think he is a very seldom talked about secret ingredient of this film. He's a lovable scamp. He's a sleazy but well-meaning guy who sets up some of the best sequences in the film. He has some of the best lines in the film. Um, I always really liked Jonathan. Um, and John Hanna was, is like one of those actors whose name I learned when I was very young. And so I've kept up with John Hanna's career as I've grown older. This, what was like, his most recent film? I don't know about his most recent, but he was in that... Um, what was that show with Lucy Lawless? The Spartacus? He was in Spartacus. That was a big thing he did in the last... That was a wee while ago now, 15 though. years. Yeah, maybe I haven't kept up. Uh, mm. Benny! Benny, the skeezy weasel dude, is the best character in this movie. And I think one of the reasons the sequel isn't as good. Uh, this Again, the platonic ideal of the snivelly uh in it for his own whatever gets him whatever keeps him alive kind of like no integrity no backbone kind of character i love it i he, i love to hate he's got such a fun like he's got like a, a russian accent and he talks like this and it's ah it's such a great choice for for um that that actor kevin someone i've, I've got his name written down later it's not kevin joe o'connor from the love bug yes thank you um so the i i i feel like Similar to Gollum from Lord of the Rings, like this guy that you love him, but you hate him, but you also hate to love him and love to hate him. Um, and if The Mummy 1999 was ever adapted into like a Broadway show, Benny is who I'd want to play. He's the Biff Tannen of the film. Uh, but I think I'd probably get cast as Winston, who's the random, perpetually drunk World War II veteran. I don't think he'd be cast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I always loved how Rick still tries to save Benny from the sinking tomb at the end, despite everything. It's like a very late in the game, save the cat moment. Like they're escaping this tomb as it's sinking Mm. into the sands and he's like crawling under the the crushing thing. And he's like, oh, Carnal, oh, Carnal. And he's like, Benny, Benny, come on, come on. And I just think that says a lot about Rick as a character that he's, you know, you know, I think that's, that's really nice. Um, Arnold Vosloo slash Billy Zane is Imhotep. Uh, I think he succeeds because it feels like he's from a completely different movie in the sense that this is a movie full of cartoon characters, but he's like, I am an undead Egyptian high priest who's going to take over the world. And I think it adds a lot of depth to the to the performance. Um, we've talked before about how scary it is, so I really love that. I think the scariest moment in the film, the one thing I remember uh, is when Isaac, who is one of the American explorers who takes a canopic jar um he's the one that kind of looks like josh brolin um and also auditioned to play rick o'connell and when i first watched this movie when i was six i thought they were the same character so when he died i was like did the main character just die um (laughs) when he gets the life sucked out of him the image of his corpse like scarred me it's so it's the scariest of all the deaths i think uh on that, uh, we talked about this last week, last week, but it is so great that they finally realised that the mummy's mo should be supernatural in nature. Like he sucks the life out of you. He doesn't strangle yeah. you. He he levitates you and 
you know, pulls the breath from your lungs. Rips your fucking eyes out. Yeah, exactly, man. It's baller. And and what might be a cute little nod Eye to baller. to the the dozens of films that came before it, uh, when Imhotep is being defeated and he's having some of his powers stripped away, he strangles Rick. He's like, Rick goes blue in the face before Evie calls out the, the curse and, and sends him back to hell. He's strangling him. So, like, he still strangles. It's it's almost like how in, um, in Spectre they... The they Birds movie. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no, it's, it's like how Inspector they bring up that Bond was taught how to ski when he was young. And we were like, yeah. oh, that's why he skis in so many of the early films. <laughs> Uh, the climax is so good. I love how all three heroes he'll have a part to play. Uh, Jonathan is established as like the pickpocket and he pickpockets the the key from Imhotep when he's being attacked by him. Uh, Evie, the brains, reads out the inscription which makes Imhotep immortal and Rick, the muscle, ultimately kills him. I love the scarab beetles. I think they're so scary. I love literally all the characters in this film. I love uh, Mr. Burns, who's the guy with the glasses. He loses his glasses and sees a blurry version of the mummy in the temple, which we talked about is is like sort of a repeated beat from one of the Hammer Mm. movies, but it's way scarier in this film, I think. Um, And lastly, in another Marty McFly Back to the Future comparison, there is a cadence to Brendan Fraser's voice that encapsulates action-adventure comedy to me. I cannot wait because I know you're about to try to... I don't know if I can do it, but do you know what I mean? It's like a rough tough no, like I want you talk, to, to talks, do talks like this when he's trying to save the world but then when he first sees the mummy and it roars at him he goes ah! like back at it and it's just the, it's yeah. a it's a cracking breaking in the voice that mm. is superficially action and comedy together you know silliness yeah, and yeah. seriousness together um so yeah that, those are the things I could think of that I love about the mummy cool I don't disagree with them Okay, we're on a pleasant experience for us both then. <laughs> Before we start, we started recording this podcast. Like AJ, like it was a good like five minutes explaining to me like I'm gonna get personal. <laughs> Not like, personal. I know. I know this is gonna be a combative episode, and it's like I'm not. I'm not that. You know steadfast in my opinion on the mummy Mm. well because Um, you hate the mummy so much richard how about this how about i tell you mummy movies that almost happened and you can tell me if you think this would have been a better movie than what we got okay i'll give you an opportunity to 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 really piss me off because i know that's what you want you piece of shit you you are you are subverting expectations by decidedly not pissing me off and removing the like armor i bought to the episode (laughs) (laughs) so these are essentially obviously there wasn't a mummy movie since the 60s between so 30 years basically there was no mummy movie Uh, the last, the no, 71. Yes, so 71 was um, the blood from the mummy's tomb. No, is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so between then and then, the, there was no mummy movie made. Um, but there were re- there were talks of remake happening as early as the 1980s. Clive Barker of Hellraiser fame uh, was... Well, a- I never thought I'd hear his name. <laughs> ...was attached to a, a mummy movie that was reportedly a lot gorier, bloodier, and a darkly sexual realisation of the story, which would have also included mm. a transgender mummy, um, with the story revolving around the head of a contemporary art museum who turns out to be a cultist trying to reanimate mummies in modern-day Beverly Hills. Uh, he has said he still wants to make it. So... 
that's my continue the franchise. <laughs> is that um is that better than the one we got? I want you to remember um, what Hellraiser movies are like before you answer. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I'm fa- I'm fascinated by it and like a, a super low budget version. Mm. And I I think um yeah, it would have been interesting to see that. Um, Clive I don't Barker think it would have been as well received. But yeah, yeah like Clive yeah. Barker is uh, more of an interesting mind than he is a good filmmaker. Mm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, Joe Dante of Gremlins and Looney Tunes back in action fame uh, was approached and wanted to cast Daniel Day-Lewis as the mummy. Uh, While his version was ultimately too expensive for Universal, a few elements, including flesh-eating scarab beetles, did make it into the final film. I think that could have been a good film. Like, Joe Dante is probably a good director to do a mummy film, especially if uh, Universal was looking to do something along the lines of what ended up happening hmm. yeah you would call joe dante hmm. uh, george a romero of night of the living dead fame uh, wrote a screenplay wherein the mummy of imhotep is brought back to life with museum mri rays uh, where he readjusts <laughs> to society and begins a relationship with the female lead of the film who is also a reincarnation of imhotep's long lost love uh, and then he resurrects the mummy of carice who goes on a murderous rampage I think that sounds yeah. pretty bad, to be honest. <laughs> I, mean, I think they, they would ju- they would just fit in with any other mummy movie. Well, in any other George A. Rom- that, I agree, it would feel like an old school mummy movie, and like George yeah. A. Romero classically not realizing that like it's a mummy movie, you can use curses to bring. Like he's he's still the mummy's still brought back to life in a zombie science fiction way, and not a mm. mystical way, which is like you can do that with the mummy. Uh, and finally, Mick Garris of Critters 2, the main course fame, and Wes Craven of A Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream fame were also approached but left the project. There is no information about what they were going to do. But they were attached yeah. at one point. Mm. But nice. ultimately, Stephen Sommers of The Jungle Book 1994 thing, <laughs> uh, pitched an 18-page treatment of The Mummy to Universal in 1997 as a kind of Indiana Jones or Jason and the Argonauts where the mummy as the creature giving the hero a hard time. Um, that was that was the, the logline almost, um, or what differentiated it from the other mummy movies. Uh, Sommers had seen the original film when he was eight and wanted to recreate the things he liked about it, but on a bigger scale. Uh, at the time, Universal's management had changed in response to the box office failure of Babe, Pig in the City, of of George Miller <laughs> George fame. George <Millifer. laughs> um, And the loss led to the studio wanting to revisit its successful franchises from the 1930s. Universal liked the idea so much that they approved the concept and increased the budget from 15 million to 80 million. Uh, in 2019. That's so funny being like, what did um hmm our talking pig movie didn't do too well. <laughs> yeah. well okay, what worked sixty years ago? <laughs> uh, in twenty nineteen, Sommers claimed the film cost sixty two million, uh, which is I think more than what uh, Joe Dante's version was going to cost, which was turned down because it was going to cost too much. But that's that's filmmaking, right? That's that's the business. That's Hollywood, right? Mm. Like missed opportunities like that, you know. Mm. Damn. All right, I've got some dumb IMDb trivia for you. Are you ready? Is this the longest we've ever talked about a film on Film Franchise Fortnites? Oh, no. Almost all. an hour in and we're not onto the second No, nah, this is, this happened with like Planet of the Apes. Like this is this It happened is, with Barbie as well, actually, now that I think about it. 
Uh, so, dumb IMDb trivia. This is, of course, our segment where if you go on IMDb and you look at the trivia section, a lot of it is very clearly written by imperfect humans and not the most uh, objective starts as can be can be written in here um this this first piece is technically not that dumb but i've added to it making it dumb so i've never done this before i've constructed what could be a piece of dumb imdb trivia right okay so this is just dumb aj trivia Mm. so what's interesting it's actually interesting mummy trivia followed by a funny point that i want to make right Brendan Fraser nearly died during the scene where his character is hanged. Rachel Weiss remembered that Fraser stopped breathing and had to be resuscitated. That's terrifying. That's a great piece of trivia. I think we should add to it. This would have made the film the second mummy movie in in a row to have a person die on set. (laughs) Because the director of Blood from the Mummy's Tomb died on set. Yeah, yeah. All right. In one scene, Benny is shown a sack full of gold, which he is trying to load onto a camel. As Benny pulls the camel by the reins, but the camel doesn't budge. The camel, the camels all, for some reason, hated Kevin J. O'Connor. That's so funny. Uh, Leonardo. So, so do audiences. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio was rumored to have been offered the role of Rick O'Connell. It's believed. It's believed, who believed it? Sorry, I'm sorry, IMDb trivia. Who (laughs) believed this? That DiCaprio was said to have loved the script and wanted to be in the film. However, he had already agreed to star in The Beach 2000. It's also been said that DiCaprio asked if The Beach could be delayed so he could film The Mummy, but producers refused. However, the filming of The Beach was delayed anyway. (laughs) I I would honestly probably I'd probably like Leah. I actually was thinking about this on the way home, that I was going to mention that... um, the mummy feels like the Leonardo DiCaprio of films and that it's this mm. like objectively good thing that everyone else is into, mm. but I'm just not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, I would probably like this movie and Leonardo DiCaprio more if he had, if mm. he had started it. No, but you don't want to take the one of yeah, the yeah, only good roles from Brenda yeah. Fraser's tumultuous life. <laughs> you know, this yeah, is all well, imagine, in a lot of ways. Imagine um, if, like, swapping the careers of Brenda Fraser. Imagine being like, save Leo. What happened to Leonardo DiCaprio? Mm. And then he gets a voiceover role on um, on Doom Patrol. And he's, although, uh, Brenda Fraser's starring in um, Darren Aronofsky's next film. He's playing a 600-pound man in a film called The Whale. And I'm very excited to see it. Nice. All right, uh, the novelization. There's going to be a lot of dumb IMDb trivia that I reckon is written by the one person that read all the novelizations, and I just find that so, it's like when someone brings up the extended universe when you're talking mm. about Star Wars, or when like, someone doesn't like films because they're not like the comic versions. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is the piece of trivia. The novelization gives some details that probably would have been difficult to convey in the movie, such as some of the Carnahan's backstory and the cause and effect of their parents' death. Among other things, pouring the scarabs into Imhotep's sarcophagus wasn't just to torture him further, it's an essential part of the ritual that they would eat his flesh, and when he became desperate, he would eat them, and this would continue for years. This dark mockery of the cycle of life was an important aspect of making him immortal so that he would suffer forever. There was a lot of detail in the original script that was cut for pacing, including an expansion on Imhotep's backstory but, and the rest of the plagues, and a tidbit explanations on minor issues. <laughs> I'm sure that's the thing about the scarabs um, is really interesting. Mm. That's a cool idea. Yeah. Uh, Despite the name, the title character is never mummified. (laughs) 
I've never thought about this. His followers are, but he is subject to a different death. I was like, mm. no, that's not right. I looked up what mummification means. Mm. Imhotep isn't mummified. He's buried mm. alive, but he's not mm. mummified. It's like they thought mummification meant being wrapped in bandages and put yeah, in a coffin. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Uh, when Jonathan accidentally brings the army of mummies to life, they go after O'Connell. Brendan Fraser runs across skeletons that are floating in the water to get away from the mummies while making the same sort of noises that his character George makes from George of the Jungle, 1997. I remember this because I've seen the movie a hundred times. He runs across them and goes, ooh, 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 which I don't think is a George of the Jungle reference. <laughs> yeah. And like his character sounds like George of the Jungle throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> the same actor. Uh, the white cat seen in Evelyn's apartment is given no name in the film, but in the movie novelization, the cat's name is revealed to be Cleo. Like Cleopatra. Mm. Some of the Americans mock the heroes discovering Imhotep's juicy mummy by saying that maybe if they dry it out, they can sell it for firewood. Many mummies actually were destroyed by ancient tomb robbers using them as such. Viewers who actually know something about ancient mummification practices will know that Evie's claims that a red-hot implement was used for brain extraction is incorrect, which suggests she was amusing herself by intentionally trying to gross Rick O'Connell out. This was written by someone who loves egyptology but also loves this movie and was trying to rectify trying to battle with the inconsistency the the inaccuracy of how evie describes mummification (laughs) she's probably entertaining herself okay um (laughs) actor jonathan hyde who in this film portrays a british egyptologist is in fact an australian he was born in the city of brisbane which is the capital city of the state of queensland (laughs) this becomes a different fact halfway through (laughs) (laughs) so weird uh o'connell bets he'll beat the americans in the competing camp in in the competing camp to hamanaptra he makes this bet because he has camels and they have horses he made the bet on the boat before he'd got to the camels okay it's like it's written terribly and like that's not he didn't make it because they had camels the camel camels aren't as fast as horses during the filming of the scene with the scarab crawling under his skin, Omid Dajali chose not to wear underwear for some reason. As a result, his genitals kept falling out of his pants during takes as he was writhing in pain. The editor had to cut around the unintentional nudity as much as possible. However, if you watch the scene closely, you can still see some of the unintended nudity on screen for a few for frames during one shot as he is screaming, help me, and grabbing his pants. <laughs> there was an eerily similar piece of dumb IMDb trivia when we did The Little Mermaid. It's like, you see your butt for like half a second. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final piece of dumb IMDb trivia for The Mummy 1999. I want you to just tell me when you want me to stop talking. All right, I'm just going to go and you tell me when you've had enough of hearing this piece of trivia. All right? Okay, stop. The revolvers O'Connell carries throughout the movie are model 1873 oh, no, Camelot Delvin. I've read, 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 I've
I'm not. I'm a quarter of the way through it. I know <laughs> it you are. That's going. why I want you to stop. <laughs> yeah. That um, Omid uh, Jalili, mm. who um, gets his uh, dick out, mm. uh, he also appears in um, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, Sex in the City 2, which we've covered, uh, and in Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. He's the customs officer who hits on oh, everyone. I think I knew that. I think I recognized him when I oh, watched yeah. that movie. Nice. All right. The Mummy Returns came out in 2001. It was also directed by Stephen Sommers. Do you know what it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Like 30. It's got 47% on Rotten Tomatoes. Can you tell me what is this film about? So in this one, The Mummy Returns. Oh. Uh, so this so this one introduces the Scorpion King, played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and his is it his first acting role? His or first just... non-wrestling role, yeah. Yeah. So it flashes back and it's like his army's defeated and they're forced to wander the desert and then he's given immortality, essentially. Mm. Um, he, he makes so, a deal with Anubis that he can, if he yeah. can command the army of Anubis, then he'll be given um, immortality. Yeah. And so in this one, um, uh, yeah, Emotep's resurrected. Um, Evelyn and Rick have a kid now. Um, and yeah we kind of end up mm. yeah the, the thing culminates and like they have to fight the mummy again mm. but then they don't like team up to fight the bigger evil but the score the actual scorpion king who's now part scorpion mm. uh, interrupts their battle there's a lot more plot so, in the middle. so it's it's essentially the there's a society that are aware that the scorpion king is coming back because of the prophet or can come back because of a prophecy and so they think the only person who can defeat the scorpion king is imhotep so they resurrect imhotep so that imhotep can defeat the scorpion king and that would give him command of the army of anubis so that he could take over the world yeah that's what the plot is and it, it's alex alex is, is the little kid um and mm-hmm. Rick and Evie and Jonathan and Ardith Bay are all trying to stop it. Alex has has a has the bracelet of I think the bracelet of Anubis on his on his arm, which is like what makes him so the bad guys capture him, but they can't kill him because he's got the map, which is the bracelet which won't be removed from his arm. Anyway, uh what did you think of this film? Uh like we probably have the same drop off in quality, but mine's just starting from a slightly lower place. Um, yeah, it, it, like this is your classic, still all right, but not as good as the first one mm. sequel. Yeah, it's very like let's just do the same thing again in a lot of ways, but this time they have a kid, mm. and this time there's a another a bigger villain they have to fight. Mm. It, it, it like it, it, yeah, it's, it's a textbook sequel. Yeah. And like down to being worse yeah, you know? yeah 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 look i will concede that i am clouded a bit by nostalgia for this one see i can do it i can but it's better than the first <laughs> one <laughs> um, i would have seen this almost as many times as the first film i remember 999,999. i remember times. being very giddy getting to go see it at the cinemas it was probably the, the like most grown-up movie i'd ever seen at the cinemas at mm. the time um i saw it with my dad and my brother i was eight years old and man it was cool to see an eight-year-old boy on screen named alex who i resembled a lot in 2000 like i was blonde i you know we like that's about it but all blonde white kids look the same i'll say it um i think it's a very rewarding film to see after seeing the first one so many times as a kid because there's so many like 
uh, dialogue callbacks in this. And it's like, it's it's not even the type of film you would expect to have as many callbacks to the first one as it does. But like these things like, um, like when, when he's like, I can't work out this last symbol. It's a, it's some sort of bird, a stork. And it's, it's an anemophis or however you say it. It's like echo mm. dialogue, which is, I think, I think it's, it's all right. I don't think it's, it's, um, it's like, it's like nice fan service that doesn't have any big, uh, deficits, I guess. Um, yeah. but I think there is plenty wrong with the film for me. There are the three biggest grievances I have with it. Um, I don't like that it's retconned so that Rick and Evie are like these reincarnated chosen ones. I think that's so stupid. Um, I think whatever charm Jonathan possessed in the original has completely gone by this one. I think, um, and it's even worse in the third film, but here he's like relegated to mainly play against the kid, uh, and insert certain lines it feels like he's literally acting in like barney or something like the way he delivers mm-hmm. the lines is the way a 40 year old man would talk to a child who they're teaching to act while acting with them you know so like there's right. one part where they they both collectively defeat one of the characters and then they have to go find rick and jonathan goes like great job alex now let's go help your dad and it's real like oh mm. what a weird line delivery Mm -hmm. um and thirdly i think the anubis jackal warriors are very stupid too stupid for the movie uh and kind of Mm. stretch the magic too far like i like i like it being it's another one of those like sequel yeah things yeah yeah yeah. 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 um also outrunning the sun the 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 um the gymnastics raptor scene of the film uh very much which is when uh they work out that they have to get alex to the pyramid of the, the scorpion king before the sunlight hits him and so rick picks up his son and runs and you see the sunlight chasing them and as many detractors from this film have pointed out in real life the sun would go the other way <laughs> where the sun is rising from would mean that the sun would be moving towards them not moving after them that's so funny um so i it's a pretty silly scene and i think there are there's a lot of comparisons i was thinking between this and um the lost world jurassic park because mm. i i rated this on letterbox and i was like this is the best sequel that's not as good as the original and i thought about it, i was like that's not true the lost world is the best sequel that's not as good as the original because and they have similar like they they each have like a really stupid scene but they also mm. both have really cool moments um one of those moments is exactly the same because i really like in this film when the pygmy mummies start attacking everyone in the jungle and it's very similar to the raptors in the long grass (laughs) scene from the lost world uh i also really like the double decker bus car chase where they fight the mummies i think that's fun it basically it feels like a theme park ride version of the first film where everything is mm. bigger and better and some of the, the well, not better, bigger. Um, some of them are better. Mm. Some of them, some of the ideas work. Um, and yeah. yeah, that sort of thing. And like, yeah. yeah like, this, like, this is a movie, like the first one I get uh, from a fan perspective. Mm. This one I get from a studio perspective. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think they um, do a pretty good job uh with rick and evie feeling like lived in characters we haven't seen for nearly a decade this was made two years later but is set nearly 10 years later um and i could easily believe that they are two people who have aged gracefully into their early 40s 
Like they they like Rachel Vice especially like she's like a nerd in the first one. The first time you see her, she looks really like dorky, and in, the first time mm. you see her in this one, she's like beautiful Rachel Vice as you imagine her when you when you picture her. But it's like, like she still is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And now she is the age that the character <laughs> was playing in that movie. Um, and I I just I buy it, and the the way their love still feels like like it's real. Um. It's still electric, I think. And I think when uh, Evie is briefly killed off in this movie, uh, she gets brought back to life. But it's it's a genuinely well-acted and emotionally heavy scene for both the audience and for Rick, who, until he discovers she's been... It's well-acted for the audience. The audience <laughs> did a great job of pretending to cry when that happened. Mm, yeah, I know I did. Um he when he before he discovers she's been resurrected, he seems genuinely affected. Like he's changed, and he's he's trying to finish the adventure, but he's mm. lost. It's very clear he's lost something, uh, which isn't true of a lot of movies when characters die. You know, well, and it's also yeah, and and, and that's one of the things that like made Brendan Fraser mm. so great as well is that like. Uh, it's like we talked in George of the Jungle. It's like, yeah, you you hire a comedic actor actor for this, but it's like he's genuinely fucking jacked in that film, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, like like that, like George of the Jungle should be. And in this, it's like you see, like, yeah, no, the dude actually has some acting chops as well. Absolutely, I mean, he's in best picture winner crash yeah yeah. you don't you don't you don't <laughs> have bad actors in crash in one best picture i think a similar situation is when alex is kidnapped towards the start of the film and rick and evie have to save him and they don't go like oh no our son is gone let's go save him and crack some jokes along the way like and almost to to the film's detriment it sucks a lot of the fun out of it like they are two mm. grieving worried parents for the middle part of the film and it's like, you know, like in Final Destination, like someone's best friend will get killed. And then in the next scene, they're like... And they'll be like, that happened. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Like, <laughs> like these, these are films which you could get away with that and don't. And I think that's mm. uh, a point of note. <laughs> um, the best thing, I think the best thing this film has going for it is the Scorpion King plotline. Um, I thought that was a cool, fresh idea to distinguish the film from the original, yeah. similar to the Grey Sports Almanac and Back to the Future 2. Um, it's a fully formed idea that makes it like this is its own thing, this is its own movie. It's absolutely mm. not reach, doesn't reach its full potential, but if you go, The Mummy Returns is about there's this other ancient evil that's coming back, so they resurrect the mummy to go fight it. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's a cool, that that works. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the Scorpion King, Richard, because it's going to become a bigger part of our lives in the next week. Um, well, let's talk about the scene, the famous scene from this movie where where <laughs> a very poorly rendered CGI model of Dwayne the Rock Johnson atop the, he- atop the body of a giant scorpion um, is resurrected and comes out. Uh, and pe- people have compared it to uh, a PlayStation 2 cutscene. People have said um, it ruins the film. People have said it's some of the, the worst CGI they've ever seen. Um, it, it, it was recently, well, not recently, a couple of years ago now, it was sort of the big video that the corridor crew had which is a youtube channel that mm. like reanimate vfx v- artists v- react VFX. yeah 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 um and they they remade the scene and i thought it didn't necessarily look better um when they did it well that's the thing it's like it's it's very like look we could do better and it's like okay it is better but it's like you've got better tools it's not like you're smarter but even even in 2001 you go okay so you film the rock acting in a green screen 
and then put that atop the CGI body. But even his mm, face yeah, just is CGI. You could though, right? Yeah. Like it, it's yeah, yeah. it's weird. It's if the body looked as fake as it does now, but his head was actually him. No one would mm. say anything. They'd go, "It's well." Then it would look of- like that scene in um, Infinity War when um, Mark Ruffalo is like, "Oh, you <laughs> guys are screwed now," <laughs> and it's, and it just looks insane. <laughs> yeah, it's a very it is a very funny scene and like something that i'll be like yeah you done fucked up uh in this, in yeah. this movie that i love where it's just this really yeah. poorly animated scene another really funny moment is when rick so rick kills the scorpion king and um with a spear the spear of osiris and then emotep runs in from off screen get, get goes down on one knee and goes no and it's framed in the worst way it looks unintentional like every other (laughs) shot in the last two films is from like good to competent right but this is like they just set a camera rolling and he like it's like he's it's like emotep is running in to meet his mark like arnold vosloo is it's very funny if you haven't seen it look up the scorpion king battle it's it's when rick stabs the scorpion king Uh, and then he says go back to hell and take your friends with you which is one of the many lines that i love from these two films um yeah i think i think that's a great kiss off line what do you think uh yeah good on you this just keeps getting better and better. That's another great one. Um, patience is a virtue. Not right now, it isn't. Uh, what's the? <laughs> I just rattle them off. <laughs> you don't have to do this. <laughs> Please think of. I have ch- children. You don't have any children. Someday I might. Uh, all right. The television description for this movie. Whenever it goes on, gets on TV. So like the TV guide oh, yeah. description for this movie across most uh, cable or satellite services has been apparently inaccurate for years. I googled this and. Like, like you Google it and the actual TV guide website comes up with like, yeah, the mummy returns is on. Here's what it's about. <laughs> so it's not just like, there's not just articles about how it's inaccurate. It's still on record inaccurate when you Google it. <laughs> um, it, this is what it says. Two evil forces believe the nine-year-old son of adventurer Rick O'Connell is the key to the reincarnation of ISIS. <laughs> um, th- so this suggests the plot was once very different. And I think that's a really interesting uh, leak to, you know, for any film. That the, the way mm. to find out like what the plot was almost going to be, you know? Mm. Yeah. I wonder like how that would happen. Yeah, like like you 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 ask the like like because to to write like a, a synopsis like that feels like something you'd do very late in the game. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, no, ma- well, no, maybe you have a doc. It's like the actual log line. Yeah, you film. you have a doc of synopses so that when the press come asking, you give them this to save time. Mm. And like it was obviously categorized in the wrong way, and so they gave them an old one. You know. Mm. Mm. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say before we move on to dumb IMDb trivia? No. All right. Well, here's some dumb IMDb trivia, Richard. Uh, loosely translated, Dwayne Johnson's line "Haku Machente," which is what he yells in battle, uh, it means it's hot as hell. Can you smell what I'm cooking? <laughs> Almost. It's as dumb as that. <laughs> That'd be great if it was. Can you smell what the rock is cooking? I'd be yeah. okay with that. Like if it's a, <laughs> you know, that's kind of fun. Uh, Freddie both who plays Alex, uh, was a big fan of The Mummy, the 1999 film. He'd seen the film over 30 times. Richard, 
an eight-year-old after my own eight-year-old heart. Uh, he passed on the opportunity to play in a Harry Potter in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone to participate in this movie because The Mummy is one of his favorite films. He knew so much so much about the film. He even served as sort of a consultant for the first film, for this film, for the other crew and cast members. He knows it's written in present tense. He knows every line and detail of the movie. When anyone on the set of The Mummy Returns needed to know something about the first movie, they asked him. This was his first professional acting job. Was this written by That's Freddie cute. both? <laughs> uh, Ardith Bay, who's played by Oded Fair, is the only person in the film who refers to Imhotep uh, Arnold Vosloo as the creature. This is explained in the novelization, <laughs> which states that Ardith Bay, as do all the Magi, fears even referring to Imhotep by name while the mummy is still in his undead form, calling him he that shall not be named. Ardith Bay in the novel overcomes this unease and reluctantly refers to Imhotep by name after the mummy's regeneration. It's so stupid. I just think that's so stupid. In the original script, when Rick asks Izzy, where's your airplane? Izzy responds that he lost it in a poker game. Guess where this idea is explained more of? In... The video game? No, in the novel. In the novelization oh. of the film. Uh, in real life, this is this is my favorite piece from this whole episode. So, uh, Oded Fair, who played uh, Ardith Bay. In real life, Oded Fair doesn't have any face tattoos, but he does have a small ghost on his back. <gasps> Look out! <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't say tattoo. It doesn't clarify that it means tattoo. Uh, in the technical commentaries for the deluxe edition of this film, it is mentioned that in the battle, 32,000 animated warriors were present. But according to other sources, 64,000 warriors were present in their second appearance in the film. If these statements are accurate, the total amount of warriors is brought to 96,000. A far cry from Ardith Bay. Bay's most likely hyperbole-laden assertion that the army had as many, men, as many members as the Sahara Desert had grains of sand. But still, not a force to underestimate. <laughs> <laughs> Evie getting killed and resurrected is amusing when you take into account how many films after this would have Rachel Weisz in a posthumous character, including Constantine, the constant gardener in The Fountain, and then The Lovely Bones, where her character's daughter fills that role. <laughs> have you seen The Constant Gardener? No. Uh, we studied it in uh, year 13 English, mm -hmm. and it's a real good movie. Is it? Yeah. You probably, it's probably because you grew up with it, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no I, in year 12 i studied juno fucking hate it cannot stand that film um constant gardener is uh it's a bloody good film the constant gardener has so much like subtext and like beautiful filmmaking by fernando morales um juno is trash <laughs> all right shall we continue with the mummy returns dumb mdb trivia okay sorry i or, sorry or i wanted want... to talk about the constant gardener for a moment there was a segue it was unnecessarily harsh i apologize yeah after literally going to ha okay okay i wrote this down because i can't make sense of the sentence structure yo fuck can someone suggest the constant gardener for the generic movie podcast <laughs> on patreon i'm reading the the plot synopsis i'm like fuck yeah like you generally we should watch it it's a real good movie okay 
After literally going to hell for her, Anksuna Moon abandons Imhotep when he asks her to save him. She arguably crossed it twice earlier when she tricked the Englishmen into opening the chest, thus making them easy prey for Imhotep, or when she cruelly stabbed Evie to death right in front of her brother and son. I don't know what it's saying. I don't understand (laughs) the sentence. Those aren't words. Yeah. In the beginning, Evelyn accidentally kicks a snake towards Rick, which he dodges while giving the line, those are poisonous, you know. Besides the fact that snakes are venomous, not poisonous, the snake was a scarlet king snake, which isn't deadly or venomous at all. And it's like, there is a piece of trivia in there. Why have you written it that way? Yeah, the piece yeah. of trivia there is the, kick, the snake that is kicked towards Rick is actually a, a non-deadly snake. Yeah. That's that's fine. That's not dumb. But like to do it this way is. Like, do you know the difference between poisonous and and venomous? Uh, I get told it once every eighteen months and then forget. Do you want to give it a go? I feel like you know. Yeah, it's, it's been about eighteen months since <laughs> someone told me. Uh, if um if it bites you and you die, it's venomous. If you bite it and you die, it's poisonous. Huh. That's pretty fun. Which that, feel, like, that sounds like, like which snakes are people biting? <laughs> <laughs> like that feels like that was the most fun way I was explained to you. Mm. Because yeah. your reaction, you were like, "Huh, I did know that," but that's a, a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the scene in which the curator's hand was torn off is explained in the novel of the film. <laughs> the pygmy mummies used the pyramid of Amshir as a place of worship and savaged intruders in any way they could. And in that version, the curator's hand was not stripped off its flesh, but completely torn off instead. Rachel Weiss's character Neferiti, Neferiti, sorry, is originally called Nefertiti, but the producers felt that people would make boob jokes about the name, so it was changed to that of another Egyptian queen. <laughs> Neferbreast. <laughs> Your rectum. <laughs> uh, for some reason, on IMDb, there is a there they list a chain of karmic deaths included in the film. Right. So, like, deaths that characters deserve, but then they only list three. <laughs> so they, they list Hafez, uh, Anks and Amun, and Im- how Imhotep die. But it's like, why is this a piece of trivia? Mm. Yeah, the bad guys died because they're bad guys. Mm. No shit. Watch a fucking movie, I mean. The events behind the curator Baltu Hefez's demise appeared in a somewhat different manner in the film's novelization. Hafez's name was Ford Fakri, and he wore an off-white suit with a simple fez instead of his more elaborate clothing shown in the film. Along with this, Fakri mutilated himself in Amshir. In the book, it was revealed that the Scorpion's King's people followed an ancient ritual that required someone seeking total trust from his master to scalp himself. The curator does this, as does Imhotep before the Scorpion King. Imhotep proclaims the phrase, my fat ass. <laughs> M-I-P-H-A-T-A-H-S, meaning I am your disciple to the Scorpion King and is spared. The curator, before he can show his sculpt skull, is stopped by O'Connell, who, while wearing the Scorpion King, takes the golden helmet from a statue and rams it on the curator's head, mispronouncing the phrase as your fat ass. O'Connell's doing this was explained as putting the curator out of his misery. The Scorpion King does not see Fakri's gesture of submissiveness and kills the curator at once. 
And finally, Evie also brings her son along on the expedition at the start. It turns out Rachel Weisz wouldn't feel the same way, as this is the reason she didn't return for the third film in 2008, because she was not wanting to travel after just having given birth. (laughs) Okay. And that brings us to the Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Empire in 2008. Emperor. Emperor. I always, I was wondering, I was like, when, how many times will I accidentally say Empire? On this I, I thought, show? I always thought it was Empire. Mm. Which makes less sense. It should be Emperor. Mm. I don't yeah, know yeah. why I think it's Empire. This was directed by Rob Cohen of the Fast and the Furious fame. Mm. What uh, else is he known for? He also directed Dragon, the Bruce Lee story in 1993 and Dragonheart in 1996, making this his third film to feature the word dragon in the title. Hmm. I was more meaning um, he's also got a bunch of sexual abuse allegations against him. Does he? Yeah. I didn't know that. Famously. Well, I will revel in what I'm about to say about uh, this movie. Th- And it's not even the like, oh, he's a bit pop problematic. It's I don't want to say this on the podcast right okay jesus okay and i did not see that on his wikipedia page when i under under sexual abuse allegations that the whole fucking no i I went to i went to oh what are his other films that start with dragon (laughs) (laughs) well what do you think this piece of shit managed to score on ron tomatoes in the the teens it's 12 percent. it's not even in the teens wow below the teens and what is the mummy tomb of the dragon emperor about uh oh geez uh do you want me to just read the thing i've prepared in ancient china the sorceress zhi yan curses the emperor quinn for killing general ming zhi yan's secret lover and stabs her with a dagger centuries later the o'connell's was tricked into awakening the emperor and must stop him before he awakens an army and rules brutally once again sorry i got these from imdb that's why they're shit um (laughs) What did you think of this film? Uh, I think this is the best one. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, no, like this is um, like, I, I really like the idea of it in some ways, mm. like that. It's still kind of a mummy, but it's like, Oh, how do other cultures do this? Mm. You know? And mm. I was like, yeah, like if you're doing a, a globe trotting adventurer, a la Indiana Jones, that's how you would keep this franchise mm going yeah yeah. the yeah, film totally. was bad yeah but yeah, 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 totally. on, on paper like they say oh they're making a third mummy movie it's about chinese mummies or the chinese yeah. version of a mummy no, it's a great idea that's it's a, a great, great idea, idea. Yep. but it's like yeah it, the, the film is just bad it's like it's not yep. a good film you lose you have maria bello instead of rachel mm. weiss um who fun fact about maria bello mm. Did you know that she is one half of the first 69 scene in a mainstream movie? Um, the other half is Vigo Mortensen. It's in the film A History of Violence, which oh, was yes, also yeah. the last film released on VHS. The last like, mainstream I movie. I did know that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how. Haven't seen the film. Seen the scene, though. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's why... a real good movie. <laughs> We should watch it for a generic movie podcast. Yeah, man. Um, so... Suggest a double feature. Constant Gardner and um, History of Violence. Bro, you only liked it because you got you had a 69 at a very young age, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd only seen Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor once before. Not oh, wow. a million times like the others. Uh, my brother and I went to see it 
in cinemas as sort of a celebration. You know, we grew up with this movie together mm. uh, and it goddamn blows. Like, as you say, the only good thing about it is that it's set in China and that it's exploring other mummies. That's that's cool. Uh, but barely any of the humor remains. Um, and when there are jokes, it feel, they feel like someone translating another language, like, like season four of Community, like trying to replicate mm. right, an yeah. auteur's style, but um, not, not very well. Because, Richard, I was very nervous to say this, but I think... Stephen Sommers gets it. I think Stephen Sommers gets it. That's what I think. We're going to have to disagree on this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to disagree. I, I, <laughs> I, we don't have enough proof or like, we, we need a quote from Stephen Sommers about why this film didn't work. And then I would maybe right. agree with you. Okay. Because I, I, we don't necessarily know that it was Stephen Sommers that made those films work. Right. Interesting. Like, like okay. it could, it could right, be a no, writer. I've taken it on board. Yeah. Right. Yep. I've taken it on board. Uh, I So as you mentioned, um, Rachel Weiss didn't return. Um, and so instead of saying that she's off in Egypt doing something, like being like, oh, Evie couldn't come. She's busy in Egypt. It's not um, her fight. With, 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 yeah, with the, the, <laughs> with the Bembridge scholars, you know. You mm. talk about the Bembridge scholars for two movies. You're not going to ex- use that as an excuse to write her out of the movie. They recast her. They recast one half of the sexiest and steamiest blockbuster romance in the last 30 years. And not only do they yeah, expect but then to they, be the they, same. They recast her with one half of one of the fucking <laughs> sexiest. <laughs> but, no, but it's not about the... It's it's about the combination of the two actors, which Maria Bello and Brendan Fraser do not have in in this yeah. movie and they draw your attention to it by having maria bello literally oh. say lines like remember when the mummy had me tied up and you came and saved me it's such a visceral how dare you stand where he stood moment <laughs> like i'm you, like screaming you, to- you just reminded me though her first line in the film mm. can you remember the, the what the actual oh, line you know, is? Got, yeah, it's, yeah it's the next thing i have to talk yeah. about yeah um the wait was it or it's written here somewhere okay this all right this is alluded to in the text we're at her book signing where Mm. she's written she's written the mummy and the mummy returns as like sort of mills and boone novels um someone asks her if the heroine is based off her and she says no she's a completely different person which is that a metatextual reference yes and it's fucking amazing i I cackled. This is our the, f- randomly placed useless statistics. This is our second Brennan Fraser franchise of the year, which draws attention to the recasting <laughs> in the text. <laughs> Amazing! I didn't think of that at all. That's like, great. Like that genuinely, I like cackled when I when I when I heard that. I was like, oh, it, 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 like yeah, that that got mm. me. That really got me. Mm. <laughs> But still, I think it's so, it's still, it's so playing with fire to then have this character be like, remember this moment yeah, yeah. from. Like, they shouldn't have, they shouldn't have recast. I'm fine with, um, yeah, uh, Rachel Vice's off somewhere else. Mm. But then it's like, yeah, introducing and, oh, no, just, yeah, just introduce a platonic female acquaintance. Mm. That That's fine. Like, all of this is fine. Mm. And, the audience knows this everyone knows what happened behind mm. the scenes but recasting is the is the weirdest choice mm. yeah it is it is the weirdest choice hey eh? yeah and i think um so uh i think another also, route so, sorry of- it's also it's not like there was unfinished business in mm. the story of of 
Evelyn and, and Rick. It's not mm. like, oh, well, we have to wrap up their arc. So no, exactly. Evelyn's key to this film. Yeah. It's just yeah. that, like, well, she's in the other two. So What they could have done, this would be a bit more dramatic, is, like, if you focus on Alex and maybe, like, Jonathan as the and don't even have Brendan Fraser in it, or maybe he's, like, in one scene. Like, I, I obviously that's not a good movie either because john hannah and the guy who plays alex in this movie don't have the charisma but i'm saying like uh you it's if well, they don't work without each other so don't have either well, of yeah, no, like yeah or d- what you what they should have done is uh like a reluctant hero thing that like um and to use you know like a weird comparison of like a kind of a similar film jurassic world 3 um mm, is that Jurassic like Park three Jurassic part three sorry um that like the the kind of the good idea about that that like the other films in that franchise are missing is that like yeah he doesn't want to go back to the island like take him mm. from like he's over his adventures mm. take him out force him into yeah. the situation yeah. and they, then you get the they, reluctant hero they bring Brenda Fraser in in a Sam Neill and Jurassic Park 3 kind of role where, like, we need an expert who's... We've awakened a mummy. That's not Alex O'Connell. It's different characters, hmm. different fun new characters. They bring uh, Rick O'Connell in as an expert reluctantly, and then there's a scene where he calls back home, and Rachel Weiss from the comfort of her own home, can be like, hi, I'm in the movie. Like, just hmm. like they do with Laura Dern in Jurassic Park 3. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, and then have the mummy go, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> not even, not even Rick. Yeah. <laughs> if she didn't want to go because it was, she was wanting to look after her son. You can give her fuck ten thousand dollars and film it in her house. You know. Yeah. Like it, like a cameo. So, as mentioned in the dumb IMDb trivia from The Mummy Returns, Vice reportedly didn't want to return because she had had her kid, but apparently she also had problems with the script. No shit. Uh, Bellow commented during an interview that the new Evie is different from the original Evie. She has the same name, but she is quite a different character, said Bellow. At a news conference in Shanghai, Bellow told the audience that Rob Cohen has created a new Evelyn. In the first two Mummy movies, she was all actiony and lovely, but this Evelyn might be a little more forceful in terms of her martial arts skills and shooting skills. Mm, Rob Cohen like, knows all about being forceful. <laughs> I don't like what you're alluding to. I'm going to have to read this up after the podcast. Uh, I think the Yetis and the dragon in this movie are fucking dumb and out of place. Very uncharted. Yeah, but also they're probably not worse than the army of Anubis or probably Mm. just as bad as the army of Anubis. It feels very like... King Scorpion. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, well, this was in the last one. How do we... But it's Mm. like, no, 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 people didn't like that in the last one. That's not the thing you should carry over. Yeah. The thing that blows my mind is that this came out only seven years after The Mummy Returns. The thing that blows because my mind is this came out seven years after. Really? Are you, yeah. completely, are you on the other end? No, because yeah. my perception of time, it feels like it came out 20 years later. Like, if a sequel mm. to something that came out in 2014 came out this year, I wouldn't really think of that as notable. But I lived my entire life yeah. between returns and dragon Empire. my my mind was so blown that this came out eight years apart, like seven years apart because in my mind there's always been three mummy movies right. there's a bunch of movies i don't care about i've never seen no this was but that's the thing you have the opposite experience i looked up um because i was i was trying to do the same thing of like oh it, it's like if a movie came out this year that was a sequel I've got, I've got an example do you have one uh yeah what was your example 
Uh, my example is uh, Wreck It Ralph and Ralph Breaks the Internet. Same amount of time between the two. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, but but I was trying to think of like a film that had a sequel two years later, and then if a sequel came out now, right. being seven years later. So wait, well, that would be so seven years ago is twenty fourteen. Yeah. If if, if if there was a twenty fourteen film, which is a sequel to a twenty twenty twelve film, um, but How do you, is there an easy way to find this out, or do you have to go on blind? Uh, just go on blind, I guess. Um, twenty fourteen films, um, because uh, are you gonna uh, find out live on podcast? This incredibly complex statistical anomaly that you No, do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what? Fuck what? you. What? Do you know what the answer is? <laughs> Imagine I, it- I don't not fuck me. I'm glad. I'm happy that this happened. No, g- like genuinely. So a film that yeah. came out in twenty fourteen and the original came out as a sequel came out twenty fourteen, the original came out twenty eleven, and imagine if the sequel came out this year. Do you know what the answer is? What? If War of the Planet of the Apes came out this year. Yeah, well, I mean, that's not exactly what. Right, okay. This was. Do- I. I thought. I thought you were literally trying to find an example of a twenty. Oh right, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, I was trying to think. Fourteen film. <laughs> but that's crazy that it was there. Anyway, the 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 example I thought of was, was that if um because uh, like uh the nineteen ninety nine, two thousand and one, twenty seventeen, add ten years. It's like if um the third Sherlock Holmes film had come out in 2017. Um, mm. uh, but yeah, anyway, like, it, yeah, it blows my mind. This came out like after the dark night, like in my, in my mind, the dark night, like ushered in a new era of cinema of like, but in the scene and Cloverfield came out the same year that it's like, that was when I got into film. That was when I became interested mm. in film. The mummy, like I, I don't remember a new mummy movie coming out. And it was after that time, you know? And so, yeah, like, it's just insane to me that I must have known a new Mummy movie was coming out and I must have, but yeah, yeah that, that none of that. Yeah, that's I've insane. been completely distracted by the realisation I was wrong with my Rick and Ralph comparison because Ralph Breaks the Internet came out in 2018, not 2019. But that is a good point. Uh, but I sincerely had the complete... I was sitting there thinking about how the difference between 2019 and 2009 felt... Yeah, that's 10 years, mm. but the difference between 2009 and 1999 is like my entire life. Yeah. And how that's, you know, give, 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 or take a year, mm. that's the, that's what it was. And it's like, that's, that's so, that's so funny that I really like that, that we have the total yeah. opposite. My, the, another example is if Captain America Civil War had come out this year. Right. There you go. So, why well, would that be the same? Because it's got a whole cinematic universe yeah, behind no, it. Like, so it completely changes it. Um, the concept for a third film, though, uh, it basically started not too long after Returns, uh, with early, an early draft around 2004-2005, reportedly containing a lot more connective tissue between the, the Chinese and Egyptian mythologies. Yeah. Um, with the, the In the original, I don't know if it was a script, it might have just been a treatment, um, the Chinese sorceress was sent to Hamanaptra by the Dragon Emperor and uh, makes like a terracotta version of the Book of the Dead. Um, and it's, so it's, it was going to be like, it's directly related to Imhotep um it sounded like uh the Dragon Emperor was going to have a lot more Imhotep like qualities as well uh the way he killed his victims and regenerated his body um the Dragon Emperor was also going to do a big face in the snow wall similar to what Imhotep does with sand and water in the first two films respectively which is such an obvious idea that I'm 
gobsmacked they did <laughs> because like the the promotional material for the first film is a wall of sand with a face in it that's yeah, it's, the it's image it's such an iconic poster yeah yeah and they didn't like i wouldn't i would have liked that i wouldn't have even been mad it just feels like the obvious thing to do mm. with it um the emperor actually gets knocked out by an avalanche in this film uh which is funny because he can literally control the elements <laughs> but he gets killed he doesn't get killed he gets he gets you know uh put buried under an avalanche um i i fucking hate this this movie is my my joker origin story that like so offensive this movie was when, when it came out it felt so disingenuous it felt so uh it was it was such a slap in the face for those of us who grew up watching the mummy um, i've i've found an example <laughs> okay so the Muppets came out in 2011. Muppets Most Wanted came out in 2014, and we're getting the Muppets Haunted uh, Mansion uh, this year. Very nice. Very good job. Nice. <laughs> it's not exactly. I mean, I mean, the problem. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's not. It's it's say. more of a TV special, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's yeah. still like yeah, yeah. yeah. No, anyway. No. <laughs> oh no! Wait, I, I found another one. Okay. The Amazing Spider-Man 2, two years earlier, Amazing Spider-Man, and we're getting, um, presumably getting Andrew Garfield back this year. Oh yeah, that's a, another one that's like, I don't think that is actually the same thing. But, but it's also like... I see where you're coming from. That, like an entire <laughs> lifetime existed between these appearances. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, t- sure, yeah. Anyway, I, I hate team of the dragon empire dude i i think it sucks i think it's such a slap in the face to anyone who grew up for mummy i think um anyone in their right mind uh would would agree with me uh this is uh roger ebert's favorite film in the series (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck what the fuck right he gave it three out of five stars he says now why did i like this movie it was just plain dumb fun is why i disagree i don't think it is like the first one is that i don't think it's it's incredibly intelligent (laughs) um it is absurd and preposterous and proud of it the heroes maintain their ability to think of banal cliches even in the most strenuous situations brendan fraser continues to play rick as if he is taking a ride at the universal studios tour and maria but 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 maria Bello has re- has real pluck as she uses a handgun against the hordes of terracotta warriors. The sacrifice of the sorceress and relinquishing not only her own immortality but that of her daughter permits permits love to bloom. Although, would you really want a bride who is four thousand years old, even if she was going to die? I'm at a I'm at a loss. I don't know why Roger Ebert would think this. It's <laughs> such a I just disagree with like like not just like it's not just like oh I don't agree. It's like no, he Rick Brendan Fraser isn't as good in this. I think he's. I think he was glad to get the role because this was right in the middle of the the Brendan Fraser dead zone, and <laughs> I think you can definitely see him wanting to enjoy playing Rick O'Connell again. There's a super cringy scene in this where they're on a a wagon and Jonathan sets on fire and rick goes your ass is on fire and jonathan goes what my ass and then he starts hitting it with a with a coat and jonathan yells spank my ass spank my ass and it's like what the fuck it's like it's like an attempt at humor from an actor who's not very funny which i think john hannah can be funny but this is not an example of that i just i I just i'm so bewildered when i read that like it's like he literally says in the review i read the whole thing because i was like this is this can't be true and he's like this is the best one I was like, no one else in the world thinks this. Mm. What are you talking about? So weird. 
The dumb IMDb trivia, I've only got two pieces for this film, but but the IMDb trivia section for this movie is just a wasteland of unverified reports <laughs> that feel like glorified fan fiction more than anything else. Um, so here's one of them. Uh, the filmmakers originally considered bringing back Arnold Vosloo as Imhotep, except this time he's at least, he's a, he's a, a least resort ally who helps the heroes defeat the Dragon Emperor. Vosloo hated the script and didn't want to make a mummy movie without Stephen summers so he declined to return Oded fair was also asked to reprise his role as ardith bay fair declined because imhotep was not was not going to be in the film and it felt there was no imhotep then ardith bay had no point or reason to appear in the movie you can't verify this anywhere that's just <laughs> someone made that up yeah um and Lastly, there was originally going to be a third sequel titled The Mummy 4, Rise of the Aztecs, before it was cancelled. Brendan Fraser and the cast of the third film had signed up for the sequel. Antonio Banderas would have played the main antagonist. Sweet. Yeah. No, he wasn't! <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, that didn't happen. <laughs> Although, if that had happened, that would be our, what, like, fourth franchise, mm. which has... um. Uh, Antonio Banderas in a sequel, but not in the original film. Yeah, because it uh, yeah. was it Cats and Dogs, put um, uh, Shrek, Shrek and the Expendables and SpongeBob and SpongeBob. Yeah, is he, he's in the Expendables, right? I don't remember. I didn't remember him being in Cats and Dogs, to be honest. Uh, Antonio Ban Antonio Ban. This yeah. podcast is just a series of us finding out the funnest actor statistics, but the slow way. <laughs> like, we just realize it as it comes up. <laughs> um, why does it not have, like, a... Why is Antonio Banderas not on the internet anymore? Oh, like, it doesn't have his filmography, like, on his page. Right. Um, okay, he's... In, is he in Cats and Dogs? Oh, he's in Spy Kids, but of course he's in the first one. Shrek 2... Maybe he's not in Cats and Dogs. Expendables 3, Spongebob movie. Hmm. Hmm. If we ever cover the Hitman's wife, uh, the Hitman's bodyguard, he's in the Hitman's wife's bodyguard. Oh, there you go. Well, Richard, uh, we're now moving on. We've finished the the trilogy, the, the Rick O'Connell trilogy, whatever you want to call it. Um, and just tying on the end here, we're going to talk about the most recent iteration of The Mummy, which is called The Mummy. And it came out in 2017. It was directed by Alex Kurtzman of Star Trek Discovery fame. Um, <laughs> what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, it's another famously bad one. I'm going to guess of the 20s. It's 16%, so oh. a little more than, than Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Uh, what is this film about? Uh, I've got a sentence. Do you want me to read the yeah, sentence? Sure. It says the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, U.S. Army Sergeant Nick Morton, a soldier of fortune who accidentally unearths the ancient tomb of entrapped Egyptian princess Armanet. Mm. That's what it says. The, the, the most interesting thing about this, though, is that Tom Cruise actually like dies in the film and is resurrected because of the curse so technically tom cruise is like what well, like again he's not mummified but like tom cruise is the yeah. undead person no, it, it was it was so funny when they hyped up the dark universe announcement and it was like javier bardem is frankenstein angelina jolie brighter frankenstein johnny depp the invisible man well javier bardem is frankenstein's monster. monster um russell crowe is dr jekyll sophia Batella as the mummy and of course tom cruise as 
uh, Nick Morton, the guy from The Mummy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do we need to explain the Dark Universe? Do you want to explain what the Dark Universe is really quick and what happened to it? Yeah, so the Dark Universe was this plan. You kind of just outlined there the characters that were cast. um, And it was one of these, like, we're announcing a cinematic universe before the first one is even out. And they did this. There's this photo shoot. They announced it. They revealed the logo. It's at the start of this film. Um, And then this film bombed and they quite, well, not even that quietly, just just abandoned the Dark Universe. Mm. Very funny. Very mm. funny that a film can be that bad. Um, but also, the, they, this was their second attempt at doing it. They'd made yeah. Dracula Untold already, and that very clearly sets up a cinematic universe at the end, famously so. Um, and then that didn't get a sequel and was abandoned as well. Um, mm. They've recently did a good Invisible Man movie. It's a really but good movie. Why was it good? Because it wasn't fucking trying to set up anything mm. and probably won't continue to set up anything. Uh, you know, I, I, the, the same guy is doing The Wolfman. But yeah, although The Invisible Man kind of sets up like The Invisible Woman at the end, it seems like. Yeah, but that's a sequel to yeah, The Invisible yeah. Man. That's hardly a cinematic universe. Mm. Uh, what do you think of this movie? uh again i really liked some ideas of it i like the like i like the idea okay you're going to do a cinematic universe and you want to you want to have sequels but you want and you want to still call your sequels the mummy and you still want them to star tom cruise that it's Mm. like he technically is like um and and i like the way the film ends or i like the place the film ends in terms of setting up a cinematic universe and part of me watched this and was like I want to see the the dark universe. Like, I I want to see what it would have happened. I want to see the alternate universe where there is a dark universe. Mm. It is. It's baffling that I like, and I understand the appeal of a dark universe. Um, but it's baffling that you would start with the mummy. Like, mm. you make two or three good. Like, it, it, this would be like starting the MCU with Spider Man. Like right. you're taking the one that or everyone already loves in a different version. It's like establish everything is good and then introduce your rebooted version that's yeah. that's different. Like um mm. Yeah, it's it's just starting in such a strange place. And then also like They should because, have started with maybe Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, it's, who it's, was conspicuously absent from the cast for sort of the opposite reason of what you just yeah. said, because the most recent iteration was not beloved. <laughs> oh yeah. But um yeah, it's like yeah, do, do um like because also they're they're trying to do a big budget thing and i remember because when we first covered the mummy it was like we'd maybe seen a trailer for it or it's like yeah isn't tom cruise tom cruise is gonna be in it i don't know i was drunk you were high on painkillers um and uh yeah we knew sophia batella the the mummy was gonna be female it's like yeah okay that's that's the big change i guess um but i remember like russell crowe saying that the dark universe films would quote scare the shit out of you and that mm. they were going to try and make these like globe trotting like action big budget movies but um yeah like actually have genuine horror elements and it's like yeah i mean that that's i'm keen to see i that. would love a a scary dark universe i don't like the name dark universe because like the marvel cinematic universe is just what it is mm. like that's just what it's called dark universe is like we made a moniker for it because mm. what it is it's the universal monsters universe yeah i just they should have called it universal monsters umu the umu what a great call that's great 
That like it's silly, but it's like you get people saying it. Mm. You know, um, yeah. What's the next movie in the Umu? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So like, it, it is one of these movies that like I would like to like, um, and and there is there's actually so much I like about it. Mm. Um, like I'll be honest. Um, but yeah, it's it's the confused tone and the yeah. whole thing just being kind of and again, like this is almost first time director Alex Kurtzman. He he made another mm. small film called Um People Like Us, but mm. it's like yeah, the, the, these kind of things where it's like not really yeah, and it's like it had so many writers. Christopher McQuarrie though, like mm. he's fantastic, does great work with Tom Cruise. Um, Sydney Lumet's daughter um oh yeah wrote it um Interesting. but it's one of these things where it's like very clearly a lot of people are trying to get their names on it and i trust someone like christopher mcquarrie to to write a film and um and especially like a tom cruise vehicle on that kind of big action film um but yeah well i mean that's what's wrong with it is that it's a tom cruise vehicle essentially because you like first of all you're saying you want to start a cinematic universe which mm. famously work when they're able to talk with the other movies happening in them and then you get you you cast a man famous for better or worse for taking over the movies that he becomes a part of so it's mm. i feel like tom cruise is not congruous to a yeah a although cinematic like universe in terms of controversial gets it's Tom Cruise gets it, man. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, but to his detriment, though. I don't. Th- I'm not sure if Tom Cruise does get it, Richard. <laughs> uh, I think he gets some stuff, but I think he's also like so freaky in some other ways that that it. Um, I, I, I I think importantly, all the getting it. Importantly, Tom Cruise isn't a producer on this film, and he is on like all of the Mission Impossible movies. And like, I think Tom Cruise. You listen to Tom Cruise talk about like why he does the things he does in Mission Impossible and the and the new Top mm. Gun and things like that. And it's like he he fully understands why people go to the cinema and he understands like what this kind of movie should be. And I think crucially not having him be part of that creative process is actually to the film's detriment. And it's well, like, I've got <laughs> some news for you. <laughs> um, he may have not officially been part of the uh, creative process, but he sure as hell made himself a part of it. It's oh, yeah. been quite well documented that he essentially hijacked the entire project. Um, he reportedly made his own role bigger and made Sophia Batella's role smaller, um, which is a weird movie move to do in The Mummy. Um, yeah. Universal denied that Cruz had a negative influence on the production. They said, Tom approaches every project Project with a level of commitment and dedication that is unmatched by most working in the business today. However, that's true. I think. Well, would you like to know what Alex, Alex Kurtzman said? What? <laughs> um the mummy wasn't what i wanted it to be i'm no longer involved in that and have no idea what's going on with it i look back on it now and felt and what felt painful at the time ended up being an incredible blessing for me oh. so he was he was you know heave hoed out of it I, people are like why would you why would you get, get a director who's only got one like indie darling under its belt it's like because they're easy well, to control yeah but he also like, had, had cr- <laughs> like again he'd, he'd written a bunch of just terrible films right i'm just just i'm just pulling up the film to actually double check if tom cruise was not a producer on it. he's not listed as one on wikipedia but he right. very well may have been 
Mm. Um, I don't think that like I th- so first of all I think this is this is leagues ahead of Tomb of the Dragon Empire Emperor. Um, yeah. Like so so I don't think it's I feel very similar about this that I as I do to the Venom movie and in, in that it's like everyone said this was way worse than it was, mm. uh, but it's still I still feel very ambivalent watching it. Um, yeah, like it, it's like if you were really committed. You could have come out of the like come out next with an incredible Invisible Man movie, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. got in different like just like just give it to Christopher McQuarrie and mm. do a good Mummy movie sequel. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that uh, it has a very hard time balancing comedy with horror, which is famously yep. something that yep. the Mummy nineteen ninety nine got right, yeah, uh, like getting I, just Nick from New Girl, yeah, just yeah. To, to pop up and make jokes like. It's so confused, just like in the same scene. It's, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if comedic this kind of comedic acting is in Tom Cruise's wheelhouse either. Like, mm. it's 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 really one of those falls from grace that comes about when a studio is so set set on setting up something and getting all the elements right. Mm. And like you know, we've said it before. The MCU was ostensibly an accident that turned out right. Yeah. You know, like. That that they if you watch Iron Man one, the only thing that hints at a sequel is the post credit scene. You watch mm. this film and the no, what, and also when um, when uh, Rhodey's like next time, baby, right? Sure, but that's a sequel again. That's yeah, almost you setting up a sequel. sequel to Iron. Oh, sorry. We're setting up a universe. Like, like this has uh, a whole scene of Easter egg made, made for Yellow Circle YouTube Easter egg spot videos where it's like they go to the 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 place the the organization that hunts monsters and dr jekyll's in charge and that skull over there's got some pretty sharp teeth for a human and that one looks a little bit like some kind of creature from maybe a i don't know black lagoon um <laughs> and i just think that that it's so it's we we remember when scoob came out we did we did a ready to record about this very subject and we were like how the fuck is scoob this obtuse with its cinematic yeah. universe building like this is why scoob should have been smarter this movie is why because <laughs> yeah. this movie showed you how bad it can be to try and do that well just don't you call know? it scoob just call it we're setting up a fucking hanna-barbera yeah, universe yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and don't call it Dark Universe. Just call it Universal Monsters. That's Umu. such a good title. Umu. I th- I feel like I would have said this on record on the podcast back in 2017, but I'm much more interested as sort of what Russell Crowe painted of the cinematic universe. Yeah, sorry. Also, because you'd seen this movie before, right? Had you not? No, I hadn't. No, me and my brother went to it again as like a, hey, we grew up watching The Mummy. Yeah. Let's go watch this one. But yeah, I saw it in the cinemas, um, and yeah, I think it's it, it shouldn't. Here's here's why you don't cast Tom Cruise. Aside from all these other reasons, this shouldn't be an action movie. Like, I don't need it to be an action movie. I'd rather it was a it was a scary. Well, the only scary... reason it's an action movie is because the ninety nine one, which is again yeah, yeah. why it's such a baffling decision to start with it. But, mm. and, and like the, the decision to start with it is clearly like well people love the 1999 one yeah, let's yeah. try and do that again and it's like that was lightning in a bottle like you look at the sequel mm. they couldn't do it again yeah 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 uh i've written here and i couldn't find any uh, i i remember reading this somewhere but i couldn't find the article i feel like people don't like tom cruise as a sexual being they don't like thinking. It's one of those things where it's like how how Tom Hanks always pees in his movies. <laughs> like it's like when in Tom Cruise movies now, uh, he's not 
in so in Mission Impossible, like easily his most successful venture, right? He is married, which is technically in a romantic entanglement, but like strictly off the table. Yeah, he's he's not Mission, pursuing people. You don't yeah, like yeah. seeing flirt. Yeah, Mission Impossible 2 is the only one that's got a sexual tension to it, and that was back when Tom Cruise was still kind of a sex symbol. Now it's like, we want to see you fall out of a plane, we want to see you go to space, we don't want to see you have flirtatious uh, conversations with a woman you had a one night stand with. It's mm. uncomfortable, it's weird to watch. Yeah, he, although he you'd the- fucking, you take that to its extreme in magnolia and it's his best performance but because of but, that, but right? that yeah that, that's the same thing um paul thomas anderson did it directly after magnolia but it's like you're taking what people find about find creepy about this person and making that why the character is creepy because yeah. he did that punch, punch drunk love immediately after and it's like yeah we don't like adam sandler because he's a creepy man child it's like imagine actually meeting adam sandler <laughs> um and making yeah like a realistic version of that yeah yeah um, and so, because there's a scene at the start where the, the, the love interest comes up to him and is, is all like, we spent 15 seconds, like she says that they, he lasts 15 seconds in bed because they'd slept together. And it's like, I don't want to fucking think about Tom Cruise having sex. 15 <laughs> seconds or not. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's very much in the shadow of The Mummy 99, as you said, not the sex thing, but the um, the, the, the movie's failure as a, as a whole which brings us to the, the question is this canon is this in the same universe well, uh, as the, the Mummy 99 right? there's the Book of the Dead it shows up in a what could be described as a, a cameo um, an insert the, shot <laughs> yeah the the the, the uh what's her name jenny the the main lady in this she smacks a bad guy with with something and drops it to the ground and we get a half a second shot of what she what she dropped it's the book of the dead from hamadaptra mm. it's um, funny um i spent the whole movie this is going to be interesting to anyone else but i spent the whole movie trying to like figure out where i had seen um annabelle wallace who plays jenny before mm. and, and then i realized right at the end of the film she just looks like someone i work with <laughs> <laughs> um so what are you like i turn to you for questions like this because you're a lot more strict on questions of canon does the book of the dead being in this make it part of the same series uh no no why not no it, it's one of those uh i would say it's like because the thing is that like the book of the dead could just exist in this universe as well it's like mm is the fact that there's a mummy you know mm. but it, it's it's very clear the same book it has the same key um but it's one of those breadcrumbs left in case they want to canonize it later on I sure think. yeah yeah that's what yeah, it felt yeah. like to me yeah no that's a good way to put it very confident of the filmmakers as well isn't it to be like hey here's a reference to a film you like a lot more than this one mm. <laughs> everybody look it's, it's it's your favorite um so the the famous sort of conversation that happens around this film is of course the uh, at tom cruise's insurance um or sorry insurance insistence sorry tom cruise's insistence the plane crash scene that happens uh was an actual not yeah, plane yeah. crash but but a but an actual stunt the production made use of the vomit comet is what it's called mm. and the parabolic flight to simulate the illusion of weightlessness doing a total of 64 takes everyone got really sick uh, and the resulting scene would probably have looked fine if it was faked it doesn't look particularly impressive <laughs> and i've seen similar scenes done 
and they were fake and they look just as good. Um, but probably even more famously than that, uh, the part of the trailer was well it wasn't leaked they dropped the wrong trailer for this yeah. movie um where the the music wasn't included and it just had some sound effects including some very funny sound bites of tom cruise screaming and yeah, it sounds it, like, like charlie day <laughs> and essentially it's like it, it was like it, <laughs> it was like exported missing several audio channels is yeah, what it yeah, feels yeah. like yeah yeah and so it's like it's a little like only got dialogue <laughs> and mm, so yeah. not even like the the foley of a plane crash happening. Yeah. It's very good. I read a bunch of reviews for this film to sort of nail down what everyone's exact problem is. And pretty much everyone talks about how it's a soulless Tom Cruise vehicle and it's at odds with itself for that. And literally every one of them has like a plethora of mummy or Egyptian puns, which I which was hell to read through for some of the <laughs> puns. Um, I, if I have to read one more sentence about how the dark universe is unraveling... <laughs> Oh my god shut up <laughs> i get it a mummy unravels uh but i did find quite i thought it was quite a um i mean i found it it's the quote on wikipedia um from IndieWire david ehrlich he gave the film a d minus and calling it the worst film of cruiser's career which i think is also a significant thing to call out i think he's right uh, yeah i and, i remember reading um because he was he was so careful with what he did for years well that's the thing yeah. that like you look at tom cruise's career and I, and I remember reading this as like a legitimately verified fact in you know late 20 uh around 2010 probably um that was like say what you will about tom cruise he literally hasn't had a box office bomb since the early 80s mm. and it's like this, this is a 30 year career without mm. a single bomb and it's like yeah that he, he's he's a bonafide movie star that's probably the most um the most weight the sentence say what you will about something has ever carried <laughs> say what you will about tom cruise <laughs> um the, this is this is the quote from the review the one it's one thing to excavate the iconography of old hollywood it's another to exploit it this isn't filmmaking it's tomb raiding which despite the pun that I'm, well, it's not really a pun um i like that's a great way to put it it's like this is this is tomb raiding this is taking something you know and something you like and flashing it around and not putting any of the the genuine effort in to make it work hmm. Uh, during an interview in April 2021, the one of the screenwriters for this film, Eric Heisserer, uh, admitted that he knew the Dark Universe franchise was doomed from the start. He said he sat in on a big meeting, uh, and there were several other writers um, who were hired to also write it. Um, he, sorry, Heisserer he, he was was going to write a reboot of Van Helsing, and this is when they're talking about the Dark Universe. Van Helsing's a better way to start. Yeah, absolutely. He's the main character of your. Hmm. He's the, the, yeah, the dark yeah. universe yeah um a lot of this is what he said a lot of voices and none of them could agree on much they couldn't even decide if the monsters should be heroes or villains he said it was like watching all of his relatives argue during thanksgiving dinner at the end the attitude was basically that, that everyone involved would just make it up as they went along he even joked that he may as well have written the most oddball screenplay he could think of because there was no way the franchise would survive a long enough to actually produce his film <laughs> so that's that's, that's pretty telling Got one piece of dumb IMDb trivia for you here. Uh, when Arminet is mummified and is put in the sarcophagus, the lid was too close to Sophia Batala's face and it hit her right in the nose and all the bandages around her head were soaked with blood. After the bloody bandages were removed, a second take was done. Only this time, the lid 
was further away from her face. <laughs> um, damn. Uh, uh, like, it, it is with, like I mentioned before, but like, you, you, uh, it, it, this film was so much set up that I should, my skin should crawl watching that yeah, yeah, yeah. scene. And it's very run of the mill. It, it could be out of a Boris Carla film. But I will say, though, that one, like, it's the simplest change the film makes, but a female mummy is super interesting. Mm. It's, yeah. it's It completely changes the film. And mm. yeah, that was great. Uh, We've got some appropriately placed useless statistics. <laughs> uh, so this is our second franchise to have a film starring Adewale Akinoye Agbaji, uh, who we first saw in Ace Ventura uh, When Nature Calls and who we would know as Mr. Echo from Lost. Um, he he is he plays a main character in The Mummy Returns. He's sort of the the anti Ardith Bay in The Mummy Returns. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's fun. Uh, you mentioned this before, but it's I love it. Uh, this is our second franchise with a film which features both John Hanna and Kevin J O'Connor after Herbie, as both uh, actors play main roles opposite Bruce Campbell in 1997's The Love Bug. I remember mean, talking about that on the Herbie episode. Uh, this is our second franchise in a row to include a reboot starring Eric. Avari, who was in the Planet of the Apes 2001, the Tim Burton one. Um, and in the Planet of the Apes episode, I pointed out that he's the kind of character who shows up and things just to die later, even though he didn't die in Planet of the Apes. And he does die in The Mummy. He's the um, he's the, he's the one mm. who tells off Evie for knocking over all the, the bookshelves. And he's like, when Ramses destroyed Syria, that was an accident. You, my girl, are a catastrophe! <laughs> um, he, he gets killed by a bunch of the, the mummy hordes that walk around going, Imhotep. Imhotep. And my flatmate was like, what are they saying? Which I thought was a funny thing to ask in a movie where they say Imhotep a hundred times. <laughs> um, this is our second franchise which features a film starring Dwayne Johnson and a film directed by Rob Cohen. Uh, but mm. they're not the same film. he didn't direct the one that Dwayne Johnson but also the film that Dwayne Johnson is in led to Dwayne Johnson getting a spin-off film yes (laughs) and that's the same film that's the same franchise Um, so of course talking about The Fast and the Furious and that brings us to continue the franchise Richard Um, so next week we will be covering the five Scorpion King movies one of them is Dwayne Johnson Um, these are spin-offs to The Mummy Returns of all films maybe the most unsuspecting film to ever get a spin-off series (laughs) spun Mm. off from it uh this will complete our conclusive comprehensive coverage of the mummy franchise outside of the scorpion king though it is worth noting that the brendan fraser series did have an animated tv spin-off uh Mm. this was a series called the mummy the animated series later changed to the mummy secrets of the magi which loosely adapts elements from the first two films with rick evie jonathan ardith bay and a 12 year old alex traveling the world and battling imhotep who is voiced by jim cummings so he sounds like winnie the pooh it's very funny um it ran for two seasons of 26 episodes the classic Mm. every single fucking animated series based off a movie ran for two seasons of 26 episodes Mm. um in 2001 and 2003 uh, i watched the pilot episode Mm. i was like yep i could watch this on what now on a sunday morning (laughs) the um the second season the second season debuted on my 10th birthday wow 
add that to the list of things that happened on your birthday that we've talked about. <laughs> um, I think that that uh, it doesn't have like a the first three episodes act as a movie, which would have been yeah. that's what Mighty Ducks had, and that would have been useful for mm. some continue the uh, was it franchise film franchise follow ups <laughs> down the line. But um, I don't know, maybe we could watch a couple of episodes for an episode of film franchise follow ups one day. Uh, there were actual plans to make more sequels after Dragon Emperor, uh, but they, they the, the cast was signed on for three more films, but nothing as conclusive as what that IMDb trivia would have you believe. Um, these were scrapped in favor of the um, in 2012 in favor of the Dark Universe, which of course had a whole host of scrapped sequels and spin-offs and related films and shared universe that we already talked about. All right, what's your continue the franchise? Uh, we pitch our own sequels if you haven't heard the show before. <laughs> Um, so again, like haven't put all that much effort into it, but it's just an idea that I like kind of thought of and then actually came to think like, fuck, maybe this is like what you do with it. And that's how you make it interesting. But, uh, we talked about, so like just making the mummy female is like immediately makes it more interesting. The, uh, what was it? Uh, one of the, the hammer mummy movies where it's like, it's a platonic love, um, and it's like a, a guardian shroud yeah yeah there's the shroud um but i was like maybe like let's have a gay mummy and that it was like and 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 it was you know world's like, not ready for that <laughs> <laughs> um and you know it was this it was again you know you've got like the forbidden love and yeah i don't know i'd just been more interesting but like you know like super like have the same kind of like sexuality to it but mm. homoerotic um anyway mm. I, it's just because i thought of call mummy by your name <laughs> i mean it's a similar idea to clive barker's one. i mean with the transgender mummy i assume there would have been a lot of queer because clive barker's gay himself i believe mm. so that would have probably had a lot of the homoeroticism in there Nice, man. Call Mummy by your name. I love it. Uh, my continuing the franchise, I have to admit, I have to give some credit, it's not really my idea. I've adapted it, but the ways in which I've adapted it are not as good as what the actual idea is. So it's technically my completely you know at the end it's my idea but the nugget of genius i did not come up with um it's something that i want to bring attention to though in uh the a video essay by josh keith in 2019 um he suggests he did a video like the mummy why it's a great uh, why it's an enduring blockbuster and he suggests that the o'connells should have been the main characters of what we would eventually call the dark universe um and i love this idea i would have loved instead of the mummy returns i would have loved to have seen a series of films the mummy dracula frankenstein wolfman invisible man dr jekyll and mr hyde creature from the black lagoon all be connected through the o'connell's various adventures i think the way you do is you keep the mummy the same as it is and then you make dracula where it's an expedition in transylvania where they become unraveled in Dracula. I, I think they wouldn't discover Dracula. It's more like Dracula would be like maybe the financier of their dig. Right, and yeah, it yeah. turns out that he's, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, but after that, they form some kind of 1930s X-Files equivalent so that it's not like a coincidence that they're running into monsters everywhere they go mm. it's no now they are an adventure team that are hired by people wanting their communities to be saved by monsters maybe hugh jackman's van helsing um which stephen summers also directed maybe he, he? joins oh. the team yeah 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 so that's 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 the idea um stephen summers pretty interesting career because he did van helsing so which is you know a breath away of being in the same universe as the 
the mummy and the mummy returns i think um very you know very they could easily have made a reference which would have included it in the same universe uh and he made one he made the first gi joe movie in like mm. 2008 and i i believe that movie like has an o'connor in it an right. O'Connell, sorry, in it, and it's like the there was speculation that it's an intentional connectivity between the the two two franchises, which is funny that you'd connect Universal monsters with GI Joe. Um, you already found a moth. I have found a moth. Yeah, <laughs> it's tell. been it's been there for a while, and I've tried to avoid it, but it got within striking distance. Uh, he also directed a film before the Mummy called Deep Rising. Have you heard of this film? I have heard the name. Yeah, it's a um it's very similar tonally to the mummy i've i've i haven't seen it properly i've seen it's on my microphone well say something hello moth tell him to say something oh, he's got, he's on my bottle of my uh, okay. bottle of wine uh deep rising i don't think i've properly seen it as an adult but i remember catching it on tv and it's full of things like like a one it's like a giant octopus attacks a, a sinking ship and the main character it's got it's got kevin j o'connor in it his name kevin j o'connor um and like it's it's got things like at one point the main character is picked up by the by the octopus and he sees its big eye and he pulls out a gun and goes what are you looking at so the same sort of like what are you looking at what are you looking at so yeah stephen summers an interesting guy um i'm he he, his career kind of reminds me of um, martin campbell yeah yeah a little bit i think i think his style is maybe a little more recognizable than martin campbell's who's more like he makes good movies, but I don't know what the trademark Martin Campbell's moments are. Whereas Stephen Summers, I can... All right, I've trapped the moth under a glass. Okay, good. Well, Richard, that brings us to the end, officially the end of like mu- movies that are called The Mummy. Um, we, we, we aren't done completely with our mummy journey, with the Scorpion King due next week. Um, but shall we go to Letterboxd and Ranked at Franchise in a little segment we call Ranked at Franchise. Wherever at letterboxd.com slash Popsha, you can find a list of ours called FFF Ranking, where we rank every franchise we've ever watched. And this franchise, uh, so I guess this won't include the 2017 Mummy, so it's mm. just the trilogy. Um, and we've got 129. I'll add the Mummy to it, and we're going to discuss very briefly I surprisingly don't think there'll be too much disagreement of where it should go. Uh, so, so this will be number one, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay, let's have a look. So the, the Mummy Hammer series is at 122. Would you say this has more enjoyment in it than the Hammer yep. movies? Yeah, I would too. Above that, we've got 300. Above that, we've got, funnily enough, George of the Jungle. Um. Uh, I think honestly, honestly, I think you're going too low. We can go much higher than this. Okay, thank you for that permission. All right, uh, let's go up to say um, the Brave Little Toaster at 102. What is it better than the Brave Little? I, I think I think we can go top 100. Okay, we're uh, okay. Lady and the Tramp, 87. Is it better than Lady and the Tramp? Okay, looking, we've got a lot of bad films in here. We do. I'm going to go up quite a lot far higher. Yeah. All right. I, th- I think um, Bad Santa Texas Chainsaw Massacre is maybe a bit. That's at 68. Should yeah, we like make this it 69? <laughs> yeah, Hilariously. Let's do it. Um, I mean, that that tracks, right? It's between Bad Santa and the and Crocodile Dundee. So, like, at its worst, it's worse than Bad Santa. It's but like it's it's one 
I think, great film and a sequel that's not quite as good and then a really bad third film. Um, or, or quite poetically, we could put it with Pirates of the Caribbean. Where's that at? Uh, 59. I think that's. I think there's such comparable franchises. Absolutely. Do we want to put it above or below? So 60? Yeah. So below Pirates of the Caribbean, but before Twilight? Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Sounds good. I'm happy with it there. So it is the 60th best franchise we've ever watched. And only three below the Nymphomaniac Constant. That's pretty... I mean, that that tracks with what the movies are as well. Mm. You know? Mm. Yeah. I should have... I forgot about the Nymphomaniac Constant. I should have said at the beginning, are we above the Nymphomaniac Constant or not? Uh, yeah. And that is... The mum. I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed it. Uh, it wasn't as volatile. I made such a big deal, and it feels like almost to spite me, you were gentler than I was expecting. Yeah, um, that's why. Like I, did it. I was, I was ready for you to reveal that you liked the Mummy 2017 just as much as the Mummy 1999. Like right at the end, and I was like, I'm gonna need so much stamina to get to this. Uh, they like uh, okay, because I did give them the same rating on Letterboxd, and uh, and it is like um one like yeah, but I, I know now that you meant to give the mummy 1999 four stars so and i have I'm i have at, changed I'm it but but I'm it is like at, at the time that it's like it, it, but it is the classic thing of like i've been told all my life the mummy is the greatest film of all time mummy 1999 is the greatest film of all time and mummy 2017 is the worst film of all time and they're worse and better than the reputation they hold so they kind right. of better in the middle but it is like the, 1999 is obviously better than 2017 mm. Okay. Well, Richard, that's it. And we're left here empty-handed once again. Is that a mummy reference? Now now you say, I wouldn't say that. Looks like you're on the wrong side of the room. No, 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 no. AJ, this is as good as you're going to get. No, please, please just say, I I wouldn't say, look at me and say, I wouldn't say that. Uh, That's not what I would say. (laughs) I just want you to kiss me as we ride off into the sunset. Here we go. We're riding off into the sunset together. What's the mummy music? It's like... <laughs> right, goodbye, everybody. Do you want to uh, plug don't... like where to find shit? Oh, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, everyone. If you like this show... <laughs> Uh, you can find us at all the places. Find us at Cold Pop Show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Um, where else are we? We're on Patreon, patreon.com slash Cold Pop Show if you want to donate. Lots of fun rewards over there. And we're also, we've got a Discord. And you should join the Discord because it's a good time um, and you can talk to us directly. Uh, yeah, on TikTok, AJ from Cold Pop Show on TikTok. Uh, and yeah, thank you very much for listening. Stay tuned for the post credit scene, which is going to play after this music stops. Um, and, yeah, anything you want to say, Richard? Nah, th- we, we, we had a good ending there with me hilariously humming Kiss from a Rose. Um, yeah. But now, we, uh, now we're stuck with the plug to end on. <laughs>
Looks like we're on the rocks. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, welcome along everybody to the post credit scene. This is the segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post credit scene. Richard, lay it on me. All right, today's post credit scene comes to us from Dylan Hutton, who writes... What franchise needs to die? Film, the TV, mummy. video game, whatever. Uh, yeah. Film, TV, video game, whatever. For me, it's the Fantastic Beasts films. Everything about them is ugly now. Um, yeah, the Mummy. <laughs> um, Fantastic I, Beasts Fantastic is a great Beasts, exa- example. That's the, that's the best example, yeah. Because the thing is that, like, throughout this podcast, it's rare, but it's incredible when it happens, is that we've seen franchises save themselves. And so things like The Mummy things like um barbie like all these ones that we like famously hate i would love to get a new entry of fantastic beasts yeah jk rowling shouldn't Mm. get more money yeah and like the second one was so fucking bad as well that like even from just a superficial level it's like i do not want to see more of this universe hmm. certainly not in this form i don't want the next one to be good where like m- most franchises i would love to love the next one mm. this one i'm like ugh, like i would hate if the next one is incredible mm. i'm just looking at our franchise rankings to see if there's any obvious ones uh maybe terminator needs to die they should stop probably making terminator movies mm. um you don't you don't agree no no i, I agree but the, the, yeah oh. like like what like terminator it feels like you've had so many goes at this just stop trying yeah exactly exactly um oh there's a new Medea film coming out that's my answer (laughs) he said he was retiring the character Medea that's the answer (laughs) hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 